You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. This is a rebroadcast of a podcast that we did a long time ago. Um, taking my time, just kind of waiting to see what happens with the shooting down in Texas. Just uh, I'm not trying to rush to to cover things like a journalist. I'm just trying to see what goes on and then form my opinions that way. Um, but we had a conversation, you know, everybody wants to ban guns and I get, they want an easy solution to a very complex problem. Um, but when you dig into this kid's background, there's so many different threads of complex issues that led to somebody coming to this point. Um, you know, but between Waukesha and Buffalo and this, uh, there's, you can't blame it on just on one group. I mean, that you can't just blame it on guns. Uh, you can't just blame it on mental illness. You can't just blame it on the drug war. There's many different complex things. And this episode has just been floating to my mind since Buffalo. Because James Neese, you know, was one of the original guys in uh, the 4chan community and understands kind of darker corners of the internet better than I do. And he talked in depth about it. And Tucker Carlson took a lot of the blame for his replacement theory stuff. But what you have to understand is that Tucker Carlson is the progenitor of nothing. When when these theories make it up to a Tucker Carlson, it is because there is a significant amount of people that now believe it. And he is capitalizing on it. And these guys stew in corners of the internet that you and I do not venture and that is where the you know that is where these things originate that is where things um really stick that is where they're trying to be heroes so i think it's really important to understand kind of these darker corners of the internet where you know these these guys that do these sorts of things they're not on facebook that's what's crazy about the, all the banning and all that stuff we got to kick people off of twitter and facebook well they got kicked off in 2011 or 2012 because they're of the way that they are um, and, and people don't get that. They're not on major social medias and watching Fox News. You know, these 17, 18-year-old guys that are ready to commit violence. They're in places that we, we, we're not accessing. And James kind of takes us into that mindset and gives us a good view. So sorry for the rebroadcast this week, but I, I imagine a lot of you may have missed it. And I think it's a really helpful episode to listen We'll talk a little bit more about this particular shooting and the failure of the police in the coming days. So hope you're having a great Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Could you shut up for five minutes? Like, I can't even get through the intro without you bitching. Jeez. 
Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I think this is episode 347. It's recorded on March 19th, Harry's last day, because he's irritating me. Uh, it, 2019. We're going to talk about uh, what happened in New Zealand. We're going to talk ma- mainly. We're going to talk about what is 4chan. What is the online trolling right? We have a man whose license plate says 4chan on it. So uh, James Neese is here, and we're and I'm in a book. I've been immortalized in a book. So you'll hear all about that coming up in just a second. Warning: This show is for adults. Produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. I think... I figured... If I make James put his headphones on, then he'll stop talking through the intro. <laughs> I turned, turned his mic off, Harry. How are you? Going good, going good. Or did you turn my mic off? I, I did not turn your mic off. I did actually, actually I did, because I thought it was you at first. It was just this low mumbling. So you just assumed, assumed you low it was mumble you. Well, me. low mumbling is usually your department on this show. Uh, but James Neese joins us. He's, uh, he's downing his 18th... Uh, Double shot energy from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. He's got his Dorals in the table. Dorals, Dorals, cigarettes. Mittens is over there trying to bum one, uh, already corrupting the youth of, of We Are Libertarians. Uh, James hasn't been on in a very long time. Uh, it's always good to see you. It's quite the it's quite the process. The only person I, I th- I'd say it takes more effort to get you on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, only Greg may be a harder get at this point. Uh, and Miranda, uh, Miranda, I have to remind for days and days, just like you, you work with Harry now. So I've been pinging Harry for days, bugging Harry to remind you. And I just sent you a last minute text this morning. And I said, if you do not bring James niece, we do not have a show tonight. First of all, I, I don't still... I don't know why, why you think I'm responsible for him not being there. Because you are at least in... Because Listen, he is not responsible for himself at this point. He's too much of a shit poster. He spends all day shit posting your, your coworkers, uh, his kids, I, su- mm-hmm. I assume, and society at large. That's about right. The That's chicks about on the right. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have he doesn't have time to remember his schedule because he doesn't live on human time. He lives on 4chan time. Correct. Yes. Right, James? Well, no, I I, I just uh I, I like to think I'm iron will, right? So when people are just like, How are you up at four o'clock in the morning or how are you like doing this weird shit at like seven o'clock in the morning, like three o'clock at night? It's like listen, I spent all my college years playing World of Warcraft. So, you know, these like 18 hour, 20 hour, like 30 hour, like grind sessions I'm doing. Stuff, right. Like that's natural to me. That's like the, uh, you just were born into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, uh, God, how, how was that? I, I got my computer when I was 13 and like, as soon as I got the computer when I was 13, it was literally like 20 hours of Diablo two. So I was like, <laughs> clicking it through. See, I would have been normal, right? 
I would have been normal. I would have probably just did normal things if my dad was like, here you go, boy, got you net zero, too, so you can get on the internet. Dude, like, as soon as I had the internet, I swear, within, like, the first, like, 48 hours, I'm playing video games, I'm looking up big old anime titties, dude, <laughs> like, I'm just wrecking it. And see, back then, it was in the living room, so my dad, but he has bad vision, he's like, what are you looking at? I'm like, just some cartoons. <laughs> 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 now, uh, if recent events have, uh, have transpired and you hear just in the first five minutes here why James Neese is on, because he uh, he he's in the news. Um, I, I don't know, Harry, did you notice that when uh, the geese started making a noise outside, both Mittens and I turned our gaze towards the door? Yeah, and you ran towards the open door? <laughs> <laughs> we have the uh, DST set up here on We Are Libertarians, so... If you watch on YouTube, because we're we, every episode we're on YouTube, so you can go and watch that. If you're if you're not an audiophile, you want to see our beautiful faces. But I uh, got the windows open, and it's it's very springy in here. We're celebrating daylight savings time. We're celebrating it being eight oh four and still light outside. Mm-hmm. Um, last full day of winter. Last full day of winter. I don't know about you guys, but I have had enough. I am so full of cabin fever and. I'm just ready to be outside, and 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 so is Mittens. How about you, huh? Huh? I'm upset. I only really got to fully use my Subaru a couple of times this winter. Um, yeah, we didn't really have a very uh, strong winter. It was fairly mild. Yeah, it was very mild. Just cold. Not a lot of snow this time. Uh, I saw a couple of friends in Wisconsin and you know up north. They had all the snow. Jealous. Right. I don't have any. And if it was, it was very, you know, very small. I think the only time I really got to really like, uh, get to use the full power of the Subaru was the uh, one day that our mayor forgot it was going to snow. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> literally, literally said that in a re-election year. Ah, I forgot that it was going to snow. Yeah. So the plow trucks were out. So like everyone else was And explain why you're saying that about your Subaru. Because it's 87 years old. First off, it's not 87 Steam years old. powered. It is a... Uh, snow tires. It, yeah, it's got... Yeah, the most expensive thing on the car are the snow tires. Uh, but it is one of those, it's a classic 1993 Subaru Legacy Estate. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, it, it's quite the estate. Yeah, it's an estate. If that's all you leave in your estate, you're going to have real pissed off relatives. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an amazing, uh, so yeah, so it's a 27, 26 year old now, 26 year old station wagon, which I love. I mm-hmm. can park it anywhere I want. Um, I leave the doors unlocked. I don't worry about anyone stealing anything on the car. You know, it's amazing. I love it. I think everyone, even if you have a brand new car, if you have a spare eight hundred dollars, I recommend going out and buying a hoopty. You will drive your hoopty more than your you know your nice car because mm-hmm. it just you know you don't care. You just pick right. up your just take your hoopty, and if it breaks down, who cares? Leave leave your hoopty. You know, get an Uber home, sell it, move do, on. Do you drive a nice car, James? What do you drive? Uh, the Hyundai. Yeah, but how old? It's about four years old. All right. Okay. So you have a nice car. You used to have one of the greatest cars of all time. The beater. Well, it was it was the Mercedes, right? Mm-hmm. It was a what? How old was the Mercedes? It was like a ninety two, ninety three E class. So it was the one you saw, like the same model that you would see in like a Tupac video like, or Saddam Hussein driving yeah. around in. Yeah. So it's like, oh shit! Like I got to get this. You know, I'm sitting around like small town Indiana, and this mm-hmm. like you know big ass Mercedes, like boom, boom. You know, turning the <laughs> the back seat. It's got like a seven disc CD changer in the back of the trunk. Right. So I'm going through town like boom, boom, boom. You know, it's like, hey, what up? You know, check out my Mercedes. And I guess that's a $400 Mercedes, dude. I'm like, well, well, shit. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like, well, just look at it. Like, all I needed to do 
was just cruise with the windows down, pump through town, like the middle of town, just kind of cruising through here, bumping like, you know, California love or something right. like that. I'm like, yo, dude, it's just like I'm in the 90s right now. Just like I'm in the 90s. <laughs> and didn't you wreck it like the day after coming on the show? No, my sister did. <clears throat> well, mm-hmm. did you t- I mean, I assume she paid for it, right? So no, no. $500. See, family don't do that. That's, that's right. See, like, friends will feel bad about it. Strangers will feel bad about it. Family's like, well, you get your taxes in two months. You're okay. <laughs> no, <man. laughs> it's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Because remember when uh, Brett got that truck? Yes. He, uh, dredging up old stuff. Well, he borrowed Boss Hog's truck mm-hmm. and he got bitnerd. Yep. And b- <laughs> Brett borrowed the, Jeremiah Morrill's truck mm-hmm. and wrecked it and then didn't fix it. Right. For like months. And then got a new car. And then got himself a new car. That <laughs> right. was the best part. <laughs> right. He bought himself a new car before he fixed Jeremiah's. Classic bit there. Uh, so listen, we, we have, I have been honored. And now, being dear leader, now those of you who are new to the program, uh, the joke, the running joke is that I am dear leader because we are libertarians. While there's like 40 people involved at this point, I rule with an iron fist. Uh, and I've had to fire people. When I had to fire Chris uh, Chris uh, Galt, I said, "Listen, everybody, I'm dear leader around here. I, I will fire you." I've had to, I've you know, I, I only Harry really tries to dispute my power. But then when he gets the opportunity to coup, like he did two weeks ago, he only took over Twitch and the Discord, which are the two things he already has control over. Full power, uh, right? He didn't even he didn't even manage to get close to the thing that the, the RSS feed. But I, I can't make new channels or rename channels on Discord, so I keep trying to add shit for memes. <laughs> uh, there was a re- there's a reason why. <laughs> um, See the Discord wall, Discord. Still, we have normies in it, so we we can't let you go full knees. Well, he can't. They can't get into the access. Like so, most players, most users in the Discord are like popping off in the new chat channel and i'm like yo dude check out this shit in the hentai haven dude or like this this woman's posting nudes over here like 3d titties and they're like confused because they can't see those channels <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah there's a reason why i don't let people see those channels so so we i have been honored by uh it's De- deros dera derocrates mm-hmm. uh d-e-r-o crates and uh so i get this email Hey, I wrote a book about the intellectual dark web. I included you in it, but you die. So <laughs> I, I am in this with Ben Shapiro, Chris, The Chris Bangle Show, Data and Society Podcast, Ezra Klein, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, Life from America Podcast, Ruben Report and Rebel Wisdom, and then a few other people. And so it's like it's a 330-page book, and it's sort of written as a philosophy major, James. You, I will hand this over to you in a moment, but it's written sort of like uh, an ancient Greek text. It's sort of written in the same way that you know, Apology by Plato was written. Um, now, I am in this book, and on page 154, mm-hmm. so I got the book today, actually, Okay. And uh, I basically he, he he quotes a lot of the Chris Spangle show episodes that I did on free speech. He actually lifts a lot of our, our direct statements and takes a lot of my better statements about free speech and why it's important and, and like turns it into a galt like speech. And then I get decapitated. 
<laughs> Did he include the one episode where we talked about Hank Hill and like methamphetamine? No, he, okay. didn't. he okay. didn't get to that one. Uh, now, I, what? So I basically die as a martyr in a coliseum of people where uh, full of Trump supporters who kill me over free speech. I die as a martyr for free speech and memes. And uh, I've never been more honored than this. And the, the next title, the next chapter is titled People Are Stupid. Mm. <laughs> uh, so here's how I die. Chris, the emboldened words pierce the heart of his naive faith in the American people. He draws his last breath, breath for his dying speech. I trust the American people to make the right decision. Oliver dismounts, stands over Chris, life draining from his body. The right decision raises his V6 sword and decapitates Chris, slicing through his neck as he speaks the word, they voted for Trump. And that's how I die. Now, I die, but I get two resurrections in this. Nice. Two resurrections, which is quite the accomplishment. Jordan Peterson goes on to honor me and give speeches about... uh, about this is so funny to me because it's so true <laughs> what happens uh <laughs> to wait like uh so was that rob that sliced your head off no it's oh. a, oliver darcy oh, okay right, oliver sorry. darcy of sorry. cnn decapitates me really hope it was right. um so let's see where it's not here it is i think it's on 174 my first resurrection this is what I rise from the grave to say. It is amazing to me how many of these people think that they know what you should consume as a listener or viewer. And then I go on to promote my own podcast. Classics. Classic Spangle. Both times I am resurrected in this book, I am self-promoting. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, life mirrors fiction. Uh, you can take a look at it if you want. That's one more resurrection than Jesus, right? Uh, honestly, oh, yeah. yeah uh, talk about giving me a Messiah complex. Uh, I didn't I didn't need any more of that in my life. But I, I, I do thank him for sending the book that is very entertaining. And it's a very interesting book. Uh, so we want to thank him for sending that in. And welcome back. I'm just looking. Paul Jonathan Eads Jr. Welcome back at the $25 level. So, um. Obviously, there was a, a huge tragedy in New Zealand. Uh, I think it's 50 is the count at this point. 50 Muslims were killed in a mosque. Yes. And uh, I have not actually seen the, the shooter's name. Here is something that I like, that I'm a huge fan of. I haven't seen the shooter's name. I haven't even seen his picture. He's been blurred out. I have not gone and done a huge deep dive on this particular, like all the particulars of it, just because it's like... I don't know. It's depressing, and you you sort of get the vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're not seeing his name as much, and that's something that we've always talked about. Don't give these guys attention. Don't show their name. Starve that of attention. And and Malcolm Gladwell, there's he wrote a great article and he's given a couple talks, um, which you can find on YouTube about why school shootings happen, why mass shootings happen. Um, and, and sort of the the spread of them, it comes from, you know, the, it, they like build on each other where these guys see one and they study it and then they they almost become kind of like cult heroes. Mm-hmm. And so 
starving them of attention is really a great thing to do because if you really really there isn't much news value in knowing the name of the person that committed this crime right. this act of evil like there just isn't and so i'm glad for that um but this one is different in a couple ways um you know the, the everybody rushes to the same old cliche stuff we got to ban guns mm-hmm. It's, you know, you would think that Donald Trump flew to New Zealand and personally executed 50 people. Like it, it, if you watch some of the, the blue check marks on Twitter, um, we've talked about mass shootings at several points in the past and how to solve them. So I don't want to necessarily reiterate some of that. You can go back into the archives and listen to some of that. Um, but, you know, I personally, and I'll let you guys weigh in. I think the difference with this story, it's not about guns. It's not about any of that. Like, New Zealand has some of the more draconian gun laws in the world. Um, but what makes this one different is the way that the shooter used the Internet to almost bump, boost the signal of what he was trying to do. And he succeeded in it. Like, he planted things in his manifesto that the media just bought hook, line, and sinker. For instance, who was your main influence? And he answered Candace Owens. And he, a white supremacist was not inspired to go kill people by Candace Owens. The white supremacist was trying to get the media to blame Candace Owens because she's black. Mm -hmm. He was trying to abuse Candace Owens in the media because he hates black people. He hates people of color. So... And the media didn't have that nuance. They didn't understand that nuance because they don't fundamentally kind of understand what's going on. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play something from The Daily from The New York Times and their tech person. Um, I, I, don't, I didn't catch this guy's name, and it doesn't say it here. But um, let me see if they uh, – you know, you'd think that they would uh, – Kevin Roos, who writes for technology for The New York Times – But I wanted to have James on because James and Harry understand this world a lot better than a lot of other people. What he did is he he, it was a media creation. I mean, what what he did is he he committed this act of evil in a way that was more public than ever before. If you're not really up to speed, this young white male in New Zealand uh, basically he i don't know his motives we'll we'll probably dive into it i know james actually read the the manifesto and having glazed over that i don't know that you can really take a lot of that at face value because he both is a raging leftist who loves china and a white nationalist you know who loves conservative leaning things so but in the media the narrative has mostly been that he's a white nationalist right leaning he starts watching Paul Joseph Watson and then that leads him to Alex Jones which leads him to well you'll hear basically the 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 analysis from the New York Times and so I wanted to have on James and you know Harry's always here but James specifically because James you're very tied into 4chan are you not or moderated was a janitor that went to moderator for B back before B was just a porn dump. Yeah, right. So you and and like what year? Uh, early two thousands. So okay, two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. So you've been on four chan long before any of us ever even knew what it was, mm-hmm. and so you've kind of seen the evolution of it, and you've lived in that culture for a very long time, and so I wanna I want to give people an idea of what. 
quote unquote far right media is. So you don't have to necessarily go take a look at it, um, but you actually can understand it and be a consumer of news in, in a responsible way. But first, I think we need to set the table of what how the how the media is talking about this particular event and what's causing all these mass shootings. And I think this conversation really details it better than else. Now, I generally like the Daily from the New York Times, and I didn't find this to be all that offensive or terribly wrong. But I think there's we'll kind of you know wave your hand if you want to stop, and we'll annotate it a little bit because it just sort of misses the nuance of a lot of things. So this is sort of the the mainstream narrative. Kevin, I want to talk to you about the moments <laughs> before this mass shooting began. What do you know about those? Well, what we know comes from a video that was live streamed on Facebook while this was all happening by the gunman. He taped himself in the car on his way over to the mosque, listening to music, talking. And right before he gets out of the car and goes into the mosque, he pauses and says, remember, lads, subscribe to PewDiePie. And when I heard that, I just like I knew, oh, this is this is something different than we're used to. What do you mean? What is PewDiePie and why does that reference matter? So PewDiePie is this really popular YouTube personality. He has the most subscribers of anyone on YouTube. Some people think he's offensive. Some people really like PewDiePie has been getting I don't I'm, I'm not. I think people think he's a gateway drug. He has been caught saying a few things that are, you know, he's been caught saying the N-word or a couple racially tinged things. I don't consume his content. Is he overall an offensive character? He's the number one subscribed channel on YouTube. He basically just plays video games and commentates on them, right? Well, he gets infused with T-Series. Right, which is this Indian film studio he's competing against. They'll talk a little bit about that. But, like, is PewDiePie... A gateway to white nationalism. No. Um, any, anybody that's got like that amount of subscribers, so let's just look at some big ones, right? I can go from PewDiePie to Soda Poppin to Asmongold. I can go down the list of all Twitch streamers. I have about like 50,000 people, 60,000 people. When you get these large masses amounts of audience, it becomes a shit show. Because right. you have hundreds of people on a chat channel trying to outdo each other to say the most offensive thing, to get the most attention, because you want the attention of the streamer. You yeah. want him to call you out, ban you, or be like, you know, what the fuck are you saying? Right. Trolling culture is about mm-hmm. outdoing the other person to a level like you're I'm going I'm going to say the thing that you're too afraid to say to show you I'm more alpha than you. Yeah. So if I were to say, is it a gateway drug? I, I will say that the people that will be on PewDiePie's channel, that will be on Asmongold's channel, any of these big streamers, Twitch streamers, YouTube streamers that are saying anything racial, anything sexist, they're already saying that on other websites as well. I can go to 4chan and see that. I can go to 8chan and see that. I can go on Facebook and see that. They're in Facebook lockdown groups. It's not like he's a gateway. It's just a pl- another platform for them to use. Right. So if I like, I go into Twitch and I say ridiculous shit all the time. I do it in video games as well. It's a it's a it's a toxic culture that's kind of fun to do sometimes. Where it's because you know you're anonymous, and once you're anonymous on the internet, you can kind of say and do what you want to do, kind of out edge each other. So I wouldn't say it's a gateway drug, 
or like to, you know, white supremacy, I just say it's just a large media platform where I can be as offensive as I possibly can because I know he's not going to catch it in time. So, And, and what we talked about in that last episode is the scale of the Internet. I mean, mm-hmm. Harry, when you are scaling something up, like running big media brands myself, like the larger your audience gets, and we've seen this with We Are Libertarians, you know, we're up to like 93,000, 94,000 likes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. As the pool expands... It stops being your core group of people who get what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. and then it expands out into people who are trying to get attention or who are not getting what you're about, or it just – scale brings a complication and a muddiness to the core product of whatever you may be trying to put out. I mean, I mean and we saw that like with, with Twitter. When you're talking about only America being 25% of their business – that's a that's a huge hard scale for them to moderate what goes on in these platforms. Yeah, correct. Especially when you start understanding like the scope of just like you know the human race because it's, what is it seven billion humans on on the planet Earth? And right. At least a third of them have internet access and going around, and the other. I thought third, it was like three three quarters of yeah, the Earth. Yeah, third like of them. Eighty yeah, percent of Americans the, have a smartphone. Yeah, and the other third is getting ready to come online. So right. it's just going to get bigger. So you cast this massive net, and uh, libertarians should understand, like, because you see it as the bigger the libertarian party gets and starts casting this wider net, you start getting other people that you do not intend to get, but they get brought in and get com- you know, basically underneath the radar like okay i don't know about their racist leanings because you know the net is just so large because of you know how everything is going yeah and the for all the talk about how we embrace diversity other cultures don't necessarily mesh well and they don't know what like i don't know what may be offensive we all have heard like the okay sign now it means white supremacist but like if you gave an okay sign in india it meant f you or something like we all heard that as kids Mm mm-hmm and so once you have the earth surrounding somebody like PewDiePie and you've got teenagers who don't know any better mm-hmm. from all kinds of different backgrounds, like it, it, it's just a kind of a recipe for this kind of nonsense. So to we should all just be happy that uh, PewDiePie isn't an American or he'd run for president, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's also funny because it's, it's, People that get are too invested into politics that basically become prey to this, like really easy prey. Um, you know, if I'm an internet troll, I'm immoral, I'm amoral, I don't care what I say, what I do, you're not going to affect me, right? So there's nothing, there's no emotional attachment for me. So I'm not going to get offended by anything you say. I might rage sometimes, like when people block me, but that's because I can't continue my assault. <laughs> right you can't continue yeah so so what know, do you get out of like what is it just your stupid pride like what are you fighting like what are you what are you inflicting annoyance or pain on other people to get i think it's like an ego it's an ego boost right mm-hmm. because you're winning you feel like you're winning because this dude's constantly on the defensive you know guys like freaking out but it plays into this because people, uh, at least in the last like five, six, seven years, have become so emotionally invested into politics beyond like what's healthy. It's become our new religion. Yeah. So when you have like tons of people on Twitter that just all they do is talk about politics, left wing, right wing politics, they're so emotionally invested in it that when you counter them, you play a devil's advocate or you say just a total amount of bullshit to them, they'll freak out. All right. So I can go to like any like, you know, like being liberal or any progressive website and just say a bunch of like just stupid shit to them. 
And the moment they do, I do that, they're all going to freak out. They're going to instantly block and ban me. They're going to instantly like start screeching at me like I'm wrong. And they have no concept that I'm trolling them right now. Right. right. They, mm-hmm. There's no con- it's I'm just this big bad evil Nazi sitting there saying this Nazi stuff. I'm like, no, I'm literally sitting here playing a video game on this screen, eating a Big Mac with this hand, watching and laughing at you, choking on my food because you're freaking out about it. It's almost like you're you're mm-hmm. playing off of their pride. No, I'm playing. It's, it's it's it a humbling thing. Like you want to humble them because they're so. No, I'm not playing off their pride. It's not really like a prideful thing. It's just they're they've treated it to such a degree that it's almost like I'm mocking, like you said, the religion, and they can't. Help, you you can't once said that you didn't like Roger Paxton because he mm-hmm. took himself too seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and you're right. Roger takes himself too seriously. Yeah. You said that about Bittner. That's why you don't you don't generally get along with people who take themselves too seriously. Well, it's like I said, it's just because they get so invested in it, it's it's kind of futile, right? I mean, like you're going to go your whole life, right, just doing what you want to do, and in the end, it doesn't matter. When you're 80 years old, does it really matter that how hard you champion this idea when you're 30 years old on the internet? Not really, you know. So right. the fact that people treat it as a life and death situation, especially like on the left-wing Twitter accounts and the left-wing Facebook groups where they'll literally like try to dox you and freak out about you. It's just kind of hilarious because it's like, how about you go do something productive instead of sitting on the internet arguing with trolls that you don't understand are trolls? So, you know, when I look at people that do stuff on like PewDiePie's channel, I look at people just saying like racist things on the internet, I, I would consider like half the time it's not even really just a race. It's just an edgy teenager basically poking you and you're mm-hmm. falling for it every single time. So the manifesto, when he says Candace Owens or like the whole manifesto, which is nothing but memes, by the yeah. way, the whole thing is nothing but memes. He literally did a copy pasta of like, oh, what the fuck did you say to me? The copy pasta from like 10 years ago. Well, explain what copy pasta is for our, our less, uh, <laughs> troll or less shit post audience. Yeah. It's a, uh, a long time ago, someone would write like these big ass paragraphs in like a thread. Basically, someone would freak out. Mm-hmm. It became so funny because he said that that people would copy and paste it in the other threads. Eventually, it hit so many threads it becomes a meme itself. Mm-hmm. So, like the the the, the copy pasta he had at the end of it, you know, like you know, they asked him a question about you know who are you and like you know what did you say about me? I'm a top rank sniper here. Was off some copy pasta on a 4chan thread where some guy was freaking out about Call of Duty or something. Right. So he posts that. So people like don't understand that like, it's a copy pasta that's like literally a decade old. They're like, oh man, this dude's like totally unhinged and whole range. Like, no, you're, this, this whole manifesto is a troll. Like, it's a massive troll, and they fall for it because they don't understand it. So they read through it and they're like, oh, he's got to be this terrible person. I'm like, I wouldn't even say like the dude's real. I mean, yeah, the dude shot up a, a, a mosque full of Muslims, but. Part of me is just like, I don't think he did that because legitimately he's racist. I think he legitimately did that because he's so inundated with memes and like, you know, the uh, remove kebab stuff, the crusader, you know, Deuce Walt stuff. Like he's so. I, I'm sorry. I don't think that you get to a point of such depravity and evil that you go in and this is this is my problem with the whole argument. We, we probably should continue playing this and then we'll kind of break down like, but just I, I think it's it goes much deeper, but let's continue kind of on with this. Um, but I, I'll kind of stop it and we'll keep going. Mm-hmm. Oh. And a few months ago, his fans started sort of spamming this phrase, subscribe to PewDiePie, in an attempt to kind of keep him from being eclipsed by another account that was going to have more followers okay. than him. So it sort of became this competition, and then it became this joke, and now subscribe to PewDiePie is just kind of like a thing that 
people say on certain parts of the internet. It's just kind of like a, a signifier. Like, I understand the internet. You understand the internet. This is how we're going to signal to each other that we okay. understand the internet. And this is what he's... And that's all accurate. And he says it without... He understands it without judgment, which is where he goes wrong later on in the interview. Signaling and saying that. Yeah. So I have that in my head. And then I see all these other signs that something is weirdly kind of internet-y about all of this. Like, there's this... Never discount the music or the audio mm-hmm. imaging that goes around something. Mm-hmm. I want you to listen to how it shifts so you feel a certain way as you're consuming the information. As I said, I like the daily. You get a lot of great information, but they, they're they trying to get you to think a certain way and feel a certain way, and the way that you know that they're doing that is listen to the, to the sound engineering and how it shifts. Post on 8chan with... Source, I've done this for 15 years. That's every commercial that I've ever produced. <laughs> every promo. Just kind of like a scummy message board that lots... He called 4chan a scummy message board. Mm. ...of extremists and weirdos go on. And in the post, there's this post... Yeah, so I have that in my head. And then I see all these other signs that something is weirdly kind of internet-y about all of this. Like, there's this post on 8chan, which is kind of like a scummy message board that lots of extremists and weirdos go on and in the post the gunman links to the facebook stream before it happens and the facebook stream that he will record of the massacre itself exactly and then he pastes a bunch of links to copies of his manifesto he has a all right so 8chan scummy internet board full of extremist and weirdos no um i mean i've been on 8chan i would say yes <laughs> but we've, we've had multiple channels right so there's 4chan was originally you spawned off two channel right so two channel was a chinese japanese message board where they pretty much just posted manga for the time being what so is, what is manga it's just uh basically novels of anime if that's okay. the best way to describe it so Started as 2chan, we opened up American version of 4chan, which we only had like a couple boards at the time, which were dedicated to like video games, anime, stuff like that. We started adding more boards because more and more people went to it. So when we opened up the American version of uh, 2chan, 4chan, uh, the audience started to grow. So we started getting lots of like internet memes, lots of like trolling, stuff like that. So we had B, Robot 9K. We eventually got the, uh, the K channel for guns. We eventually got that one. Um, so it expanded from a few channels to about like 30 different channels. So when things get big, things splinter off in each different channel. So we had a 420 chan at one time, which was for like pot smokers. Uh, we had BBW chan for people like thick women. So, <laughs> I mean, literally, you can go there right now. So they're just really, really thick women. Um, um, Harry, please focus. <laughs> so, you know, we have tons of these channels, right? So we had a, uh, Multiple ones. Uh, I think during the time, like early 2000s, like uh, Moot was banning people that were doing like uh, cam girl raids because we were doing like cam girl raids mm-hmm. during the Scientology thing. So I was like, every time you do this, you know, we get shut down. So don't do it anymore. What What is explain all of that to me? Like, what is a, what is a raid? 
A raid is a, a, a call to action, right? So some guy is basically like, oh, dude, like this girl's doing something on the cam, post it. And, you know, usually it's like, you know, not your personal army, which is, you know, come to the channel asking for like 50 dudes to basically ruin this girl's day. But sometimes like the target was just so like hilarious because of like what she's doing. Like, for example, we had a one called Sweet Eva. Sweet Eva was a 55-year-old crackhead that was doing cam shows on myfreecams.com. So she's like uh, all of like, an adult nature. Adult nature, yeah. Okay. So we got her there. And she, her husband Mike was basically filming it for us. So she's doing like the whole like you know like nasty ass like cam girl shit where she's all like decrepit and shit. <laughs> and her husband's like, "Yeah, baby, you go ahead and get it." You know, and just oh, that sounds so sad. So it was so disgusting to watch that you <laughs> so, know. But then we realized that she's kind of like schizophrenic and she freaks out easy when she can't handle like too much pressure. So like we troll her. And she would just freak out, and Mike would, like, threaten to beat us up and stuff. Like, Mike would come on camera. He's like, like, you fucking goddamn people on the internet, you don't know what you're doing. Like, she's got schizophrenia. That's horrible, James. <laughs> don't you understand? Like, maybe you're making me more sympathetic to the New York Times right now, to be honest. But that's how it works. Because she was so easy to bait in her husband. Right. It wasn't really just about her. It was about her husband, because her husband will, like, throw lamps and shit. And like, There is something to the fact that if you like memes, if you go on Instagram and you look at your stories and you get memes, then you should follow me on Instagram, C-Spangle, or We Are Libertarians. We post great memes there. But those funny reaction memes, like I posted, like, the Fedora guy Valentine's Day cards, and I got a message from one of the guys in the cards, and he basically said, like, this has ruined my life. This is, like, just, you know, I hate this. Can you please take this down? I don't want to be... And, and I wanted to be like, dude, get smart and start selling, like, convention spots and autographs. Like, you're... you're yeah. To be a meme, people aspire to that, but it really was something that caused him pain. And so, mm -hmm. as much as you like memes, you have to understand there's a funny reaction behind any meme that is successful or prank shows or, you know, it, there there is an unregulated nature. Like, if I were to do pranks, if we were going to do prank shows here and we were going to go out to the public and do, like, you know, the impractical Joker stuff. Mm. Like, you get releases, you get permission, you get, you know... Yeah. Like, if you're attached to an organization that can get sued, but if you're just an anonymous group of dudes on the internet who just think it's funny when this, you know, woman gets mad, there's no releases. It's just, like, you... There is an element to the internet that is so unempathetic and awful that is encapsulated by that story, but we are so immersed in it that we don't that wouldn't even phase us we'd just watch the video of this woman freaking out and we'd laugh we would never think wow this woman's being caused like uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it but i think hmm. later on but uh, like at what point james do you go this is kind of mean i should stop well, I never been like it's mean. I mean, a lot of the times, like a lot of the targets would just bring it on themselves. Like for example, Scientology. We targeted Scientology for like a good year. Like Scientology, as you know, is a scam. Allegedly, mm -hmm. a scam. Z you know. Allegedly. So Scientology got into our targets. You know, during the whole like uh, time for V for Vendetta came out. So the guy, guy Fox mask. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. They came into our target because Tom Cruise was basically being crazy on Oprah. So we targeted Scientology for a whole year. So basically, as this kid says on the ch on the YouTube chat here, mm -hmm. he, KGB bot says, it's not an ego boost. Most trolls just like to rip the face fake mask off of e-celebrities. 
So it's a little bit of you're too big for your britches. We're going to bring you back down to earth or you're scamming people. It's almost like the, you're the you're the uh, judge, jury and executioners of people who are taking it a little too far. Hmm. For, for example, this 4chan would not have got as big as it did if we didn't do the Scientology thing. And then Fox News and Bill O'Reilly would have kept his mouth shut. So there's an Internet video. Are you able to like do yep, this? Live? I can play some Internet hate machine. Okay. <laughs> now what what's the uh Bill O'Reilly thing? That's the Bill O'Reilly yeah, he yeah. did. Okay. Yeah. He 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 started the story that went on to the rest of the Fox News. All right, I'm going to go to Know Your Meme. Mm-hmm. There is somebody's full-time job to populate knowyourmeme.com. Good. It's curator. Um we'll go down in history. The term internet hate machine anonymous on Fox 11. Yep. Should I play that? Yep. Okay. This is where 4chan exploded. Okay. We're we're getting there. We just opened 1,700 tabs because... Could just went to YouTube. I, I could have. I could have done that. Mm-hmm. It would have been much faster. And, uh... All right, here we go. Dear Fox... Okay, that's not right. Sorry. Yeah, all right, you, everybody. You don't want the creepy... They call themselves anonymous. They are hackers on steroids, treating the web like a real-life video game. This is KTTV on July 26, 2007 in L.A. It's a local Fox affiliate. Sacking websites, invading MySpace accounts, disrupting innocent people's lives. And if you fight back, watch out. Fushima tracks down the hacker gangs in this Fox 11 investigation. <laughs> Destroy. Threats from a gang of computer hackers calling themselves anonymous. I've had seven different passwords and they've got them all so far. They attack innocent people like an internet hate machine. We are anonymous. We are strong. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Those who fight back. Now you two are laughing because you know this is a joke. Like you're like. <laughs> not Sorry. only are they. Not only is Fox being ridiculous. It's the people who are participating in the... We are anonymous. Like, you know he's one of yours who is basically signaling to the rest of you, look at these fucking idiots that I just... It's like when Howard Stern used to do prank calls, Mm -hmm. and they'd play him, and they'd go, oh my god, we're all in on the joke except for this one idiot. They they actually write... Fox News actually got, like, a picture of, like, a van, right? Like, an actual white van. Right. And then blew the van up. Like, we're actually bombing, you know, like, vans and shit, like, terrorists. And so, like, we called it, like, the pedo van. Like, oh, shit, you blew up the pedo van, dude. Like, I'm going to fucking get my, like, hentai and shit now. Because Fox News made it to a point, like, they were trying to, like, dial down that we're domestic terrorists, right? Yeah. So the moment they made this article, like, people would call, like, Fox News affiliates, CNN affiliates with, like, you know, a voice changer over Skype or something. And basically issued like these terroristic threats, these fake bomb threats to the Olympics and stuff because they would roll with it. So Fortan went from yeah. So <laughs> this is the exploding van. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to start playing. So like, imagine if you're an internet troll and like you're just from this like stupid anime web you know forum that's just basically raiding like camera websites mm-hmm. and talking shit on MySpace. To the fact that now, like, national syndicated news is basically calling you a domestic terrorist and basically believes anything you say. And now you're rolling up like 2007, 2008, and after that came Gamergate with like the whole women on the internet with video games freaking out as well. You just took this tiny little like microcosm of the internet and just exploded it into like a gigantic network of people and trolls and hate speech advocates, free speech advocates. Everything under the sun is now on 4chan, 8chan because of Fox News 
calling them domestic Which terrorists. has been my argument about Alex Jones the whole time. You've mainstreamed Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting him be in his own little corner of the internet mm-hmm. where he's not hurting anybody, he's just, people are just listening to him and like mm-hmm. sitting silently by, you know. Now he is in part, uh, he's part of meme culture, which is way more powerful than any government force. Like I, I, I have been talking to one campaign here locally. I'm like, do you want to win the election? Make memes. And so they made like a silly song about the mayor who is bad at potholes. Yeah. The mayor we talked about yeah. earlier. Yeah, the Republican candidate, uh, my former employer, created the song called Pothole Joe. Okay. And, you know, then there's memes of potholes everywhere. Mm-hmm. The Pothole Bachelor one is my, one of my favorites. It's starting to pick up. Mm-hmm. It's starting to catch on. And, and like the, their campaign is like, no, we're going to focus on crime. I'm like, mm. people don't care about crime because what you don't understand is that that's too serious and too sad. And not for nothing, unfortunately, it's happening to people who are in the drug trade who are of uh, Harry. Uh, what? Hmm? what? Harry, what? Uh, could what? you say this for me? I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, um, Hoosiers? Yes, people, human beings. Yes. Human beings that are. Uh, but are involved in the drug trade oh, okay. of, yeah. of the urban zip codes. And so, like, your suburban white people, let's just be real, they don't care about those people yeah. because they think of them as those people. Correct. Right. Yeah. Now they were getting gun um, robbed at gunpoint on the canal. Now they care. Like, whoa, right. whoa, whoa, what was going on here? But when you're paying $500 because your rim got bent on a pothole mm-hmm. and you're posting about it, how you're mad about you have this expense because they don't fix the roads, and it's like, it's not a life or death situation, but it's annoying and it makes you mad and it makes your friends mad and it doesn't make everybody sad. It makes them mad. And then you bring in the memes and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's to blame for the thing that's making everybody mad. And then memes end up electing a mayor because... It's not too serious, but it's a serious enough issue. It's a dereliction of duty. It's like it's that in-between spot. It is nothing like rolling by in your 26-year-old Subaru and seeing an $85,000 Mercedes on the side of the road with a flat tire because of a pothole, and you just keep rolling by because you know that guy is like, oh, look at that guy, that old Subaru, and he's <laughs> right. all angry and cranky. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what meme culture is about. It It, it humbles the proud, and it... And it entertains the masses over things that don't that aren't too edgy. Like nine yeah. eleven memes, it took fourteen or fifteen years before you could you could go to four chan and see nine eleven memes probably the day after. But like it took fourteen or fifteen years for memes of the nine eleven variety to start be acceptable in terms of posting. Now you see them all the time because it's not as offensive. And that's the th- that's the thing is like. Meme culture has gone beyond where James, like, let's, as you listen to this, just kind of think about the concept of what James said. They started taking us so seriously and starting to give us more power than we had. And so more people were attracted to this movement. And so as you listen to the New York Times, think about that. Yeah, because 70. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, because you were talking about, like, you know, basically young adults who no one listened to, no one gave a crap about, you know, yes. the only safe haven they had was online because at that time, you know, nerd culture was not popular. Okay. Right. If you like manga, Dragon Ball, and anything else, no one cared. I mean, do you remember about 10 years ago, less than 10 years ago, VH1 had like a, a show with the Revenge of the Nerds guys, and it was like nerds competing mm-hmm. in a house. And like that was. 
that was edgy and now that's kind of like and then big bang theory comes along and say what you want about big bang theory it's it's like will and grace or queer eye for the straight guy it normalizes the nerdier part of culture and the geekier part of culture and allows people to kind of go yeah i'm gonna take my kid to a comic book convention and i i may be the ceo of this company but i love comic books you wouldn't have said that 15 years ago when we like when we were younger but big bang theory is offensive so (laughs) right so let's continue on record of the massacre itself exactly and then he pastes a bunch of links to copies of his manifesto. He has a 74-page manifesto that he wrote, and some of the stuff was fairly standard, hard-right ideology. Very fascist, very white nationalist. Muslims are kind of like the primary target for white nationalists around the world, calling them invaders, saying they're taking over. You know, this is a sort of classic white nationalist trope. And then there was all this kind of meta. Do you feel in reading the manifesto, because you read all of it, James, do you feel that is an accurate analysis of what that what that guy believes? Uh, about uh, invading? Uh, like, pull your mic up a little bit, too, for me, please. Like invading, right? But, I mean, just his analysis of, you know, it had all the, it was white nationalist, it was all this. I mean, if you read it on its face, yes the the new york times is right but when you understand the context of what you brought to it their analysis becomes incorrect right well the thing is like a lot of this is born you know a lot of this animosity has always been born from bad political decisions like really really bad political decisions and i think i brought it up in the chat one time it's you know, it used to be like you get your your dad or your grandpa complaining about like Mexicans taking your jobs, right? Oh, they come here to take the jobs, even though they don't. You right? they take jobs that I don't want to do, you don't want to do. Factories have like hundreds of positions that aren't being filled because no one wants to do it for twelve dollars an hour, right? Except people that are immigrants coming here to do it until they can get their kids into college and their kids do better. Um, but that's where immigration is fine. But when a lot of these people that do this, right? A lot of people that wrote the, like the guy that wrote the manifesto. You know, specifically, it's he mentioned Europe a lot of the time. And the reason why he mentioned Europe a lot of the time as opposed to the United States as an issue is Europe has this really, really bad immigration policy. Like you you hear every day about, uh, oh, yeah, like a gang of like, you know, 14 people from Somalia, like killed three people or like uh, this Muslim from like, you know, Syria or something came here and bombed somebody like the, the rape gangs that happen in the UK. Like all this stuff gets echoed through like these channels. So anytime like you, you see something like that and then you look at these countries that have like these no go zones mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you'd be like if we went there, you'd be the only white person in this like four square mile area because there's a no go zone. So when these stories get amplified and put out there. And then Europe has a reflexive reaction to try to withdraw the source. Oh, we don't have a problem with like Somalians coming over, like, you know, by like the thousands and thousands and thousands and committing crime. Then they, they post crime statistics and the crime statistics went through the roof because it's not really like technically a racial thing. I don't even see it as a racial thing. It's just I'm very aware that the culture in like, you know, Iraq or the culture in Somalia or Ethiopia it's radically different than the culture in Europe. Mm-hmm. And I understand that if I'm in Somalia, I might have to stab somebody sometime. You know, it just is what it is. Right. Um, so, you know, when it happens, like, they'll blame it on the racial group. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's the blacks or it's the Muslims. It's really the problem comes down to a culture that's really not compatible. A, a difference of social norms. Yeah. 
It's like, and then the language difference doesn't allow you to work through those differences in social norms. And then you add on the fact that the people who are coming from these other cultures are moving into places that are European socialist countries. And so, like, let's take Germany, for example. If you're in Berlin, in East Berlin, it's still very poor. There's a lot of socialist programs. There's a lot of government housing. There's a lot of food programs. And anytime you have bureaucracy running something, it's an inefficient organization. And so there's a limited amount of resources. And so you have people fighting for what they view as scraps. Mm -hmm. And so when you bring other people into a system that is already strained, and they now are fighting for resources with people that they cannot talk to, cannot understand, and they perceive as violent, mm-hmm. the, the fear goes up, politicians start to demagogue to take advantage of that fear, uh, people start to use that emotion to take control of those people, um, and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so we start with the problem that the government, that government policy is causing most of this. And so, yeah, you end up with, with uh, a, a set of social norms that are clashing. And here's the fundamental difference with America. We don't have that same problem. And that's what people don't seem to understand is that we don't have the same, like, European societies have a much, like, culture and race and origin means so much more there. Like, I thought, I have thought my entire life I was mostly German. Right. My sister just did her 23 and me, and we're mostly Europe, we're mostly Irish and English. Thank you, FBI. Right. I, <laughs> I had no idea. Like, I had heard I was 116th Indian. I have no idea if that's true. I don't know if I'm more Native American than Elizabeth Warren. Like, I, I never ragged on Warren too much, except when it was funny. <laughs> but everybody has that. If you're an American who is our age, everybody has, you know, well, we, we came from Germany, and you sort of vaguely know your family history, <laughs> but you don't have families that have lived in the same spot for hundreds of years or institutions that have lasted thousands of years in America. You just don't. You have e pluribus unum, out of many, one. Mm-hmm. And it's many cultures combining to create the United States of America. We are a country built on multiculturalism, and that's fundamentally different than the DNA of European socialist ethnostates. And so, so when conservatives try to say they try to force the the Mexicans into that box, I just look at them and I go, "You're telling me that the technically Caucasian, mm-hmm. Catholic, mm-hmm. conservative, mm-hmm. pro-life, pro-family people that are coming into this country." disagree with your values it doesn't make sense they're just trying to copy the the same demagoguery of europe and so it's nonsense it just doesn't it doesn't work if you're on the right like you sound foolish for anybody that's read a book hold on you're i think yeah you turned it off no what's wrong there you go see this is why we had to take that button away from harry you know now you've turned it off there we go this is like the Three Stooges. Yeah, right. You can hear me now, though, right? Yes. So the, 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 the difference between the United States right, and Europe in, 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 in general is when I look at Mexico and I look at you know, Chile, Argentina, Colombia, I go down the list, right? Mm-hmm. 
I can match, and this is why, like, a lot of, like, people will panic on, like, you know, especially if I look at a white nationalist community, for example, is when I look at, like, Latin American countries, these, they have the same birth rate, the same, essentially the same culture, because all Latin Americans are pretty much European at this yeah. point. There's hardly right. any indigenous communities there. They've all been colonized by Spain hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So they're essentially the same. They just speak a different European language than what we do. Right. The, the problem, like, you know, with Europeans, and the Europeans will try to lead the front on a lot of the, the shit posting that occurs on there, is Europe is basically like, a skip and a hopstone away from the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. The, the issue with Africa as a continent, they actually have boats that go from mm-hmm. Italy and Spain mm-hmm. to northern Africa, and then it's like these these humanitarian groups that are largely funded by the left and mm-hmm. left groups in the in Europe, and like just saying this fact could get me put on like a hate site well, like the right, SPLC. But- will but it's true. You see the you see the boats. You see the patterns of these NGOs. That are basically just ferrying people from the northern horn of Africa into Sicily and Italy and Spain, and and well, so well, there's no, a lot of anger towards it, that. It goes beyond that. So we spent six hundred something years, even further beyond, if you go back to ancient Rome, like raping that continent. So we've taken all the resources, we chopped down trees, we killed all the animals and plant life there. The Sahara, Sahara Desert's growing by inches every year. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem is, like, as we did that, we, we forced, you know, Christianity on them. We forced Islam on them. A lot of African nations, you know, I go to Uganda or I go to, like, Ethiopia or I go to Sudan, they have large polygamy, like, you know, they're polygamists by nature. They were that before we introduced these religions that pretty much sanctioned it. The very, the very names of the countries that you, they were all created, you know, during colonial times. Yeah, right. So I add that in there, right? And I know that Africa is running out of room. I know it's running, the Sahara Desert is getting bigger. The, the water supply is drying up. Yep. These, these countries have a fertility rate index from between 7 to 9.4. There's an article on the BBC of a woman in Uganda that's 35 years old, my age, that has 36 children. Jeez. And it's like, and she, actually, it's like, well, my dad has the same issue. You know, he's got 50 children because he's got four wives. And this happens in the Middle East and there. So when I look at Europe, it has like a 1.2 or like a 0.8 fertility index. I look at Japan that has like a 0.5 fertility index. You're eventually getting to a point by like 20, you know, 56, Africa, people in Africa will make up the bulk of the population because we've taken all the resources out there. We airdrop them food. We airdrop them vaccines. So they're not dying from malaria anymore. They're not starving themselves anymore. We're, we're taking care of that. But we inflicted such a wound on that continent. And continue yeah. to do so with the mm-hmm. World Trade Organization. If you read John Perkins' book, basically yeah. – Western countries still continue to extract resources by making loans to these countries against the resources that they can never pay back, right. and it becomes another form of indentured servitude. And then mm-hmm. you have the Chinese coming in, building mm-hmm. infrastructure, and mm-hmm. doing the same thing. So, so when I look at it from like, if I look at it from this white uh, white supremacist perspective, if you think the ten thousand Somalis, the twenty thousand uh, Syrians coming through now is an issue. When Africa's water dries up and you have a population that's three times the size of India, 
that's going to go north because right. Europe is in a temperate zone. It's not going to have the Sahara Desert issue. It's not going to have the the plundering and the, the strip mining of entire like agricultural communities that currently occurs in Africa. It doesn't have that problem. So is this the conversation that like when they talk about white supremacists and like is like I will watch Paul Joseph Watson or Sargon, but I've never really heard this. Mm-hmm. Is this the conversation that get the New York Times hears and then labels it as a white supremacist? Because what you have is what you've just presented is, you know, mm-hmm. here's here's facts and here's like data points. But it's probably usually phrased in much more racist language. Well, they're invading. They're going to take over. Like it's it's more fear based. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll make it a fear based thing where it's like you know they're going to take over our culture. I the mean, Tommy Robinsons of the yeah, world. I mean, yeah. li- literally are. That's you know because Europe has a low fertility index. Places like India and Asia and Africa have high fertility indexes. Eventually, you're going to see over the course of the next couple centuries, people that are white will essentially be eradicated at this point. Well, that's a bad word for it, but that's what they're going to say. It's you're essentially you're dwindling while these other populations are growing, especially with industrialization when there's now jobs, there's medicine, there's food. Mm-hmm. And they still keep the practice of like, you know, five, six, seven fertility indexes. You're eventually going to get replaced. And that's just how it is. This is how things work. If I look at ant colonies, right, and I compare people to it's a weird an ant thing colony. to it's a weird thing, Harry, to be worried about something that you will not. Oh yeah, Harry, with. Harry's going to be the, the new white. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> doing my best. Uh, He's going to beat us with. We won't shit. talk about Harry's ancestry dot com. He was helping a strip mine. So when, when this when the situation occurs, and I liken it to ant colonies. You know, if you watch ant colonies, they essentially grow. And there's always like you you have two ant colonies here. One ant colony tends to outgrow the other one. Depends on where it's located on like your yard or where it's located in the jungle or whatever. One colony gets bigger, and now they're going to have to fight for resources. That larger colony ends up overtaking the smaller colony. It includes like a lot of death on the other ant colonies, a lot of integration, capturing, basically taking young back to its colony and storing it there. Now, humans don't usually do that, but the Earth does have finite resources. Yes. People have fought numerous wars over resources. So, in terms of like, you know, are they being racist for the sake of being racist? Yeah, for some for some degree they are. Mm-hmm. But if I look at the the concept of demographics is destiny, and I look at you know trends where things are trending, how things are trending, I can see some sort of panic for people in Europe because you basically ruined an entire continent for hundreds of years, and now the continent's going to bite back. Yeah, right, yeah. And the more they try to do to help that continent, they're actually ruining it. So bringing all that right. aid that you're basically just ruining it because now they don't have to develop farms and try to fix the Sahara because why? You're bringing water and aid and everything else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, I mean, just go go look at just type in libertarian opinion of of foreign aid, and you'll you'll see the the cost of it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an issue with like libertarians too. Is like they don't see it in that scope like the scope was you know especially if i'm like okay i'm okay with immigration but they don't see it on that scope it's when you have nations that have been like third world for forever and they're now they're still getting raped and pillaged by you know countries that are like in the second world status industrial nations like china industrial nations like india superpower 2020 by the way um these people they get displaced and they're always going to go to the most profitable area for them they're not going to stop in the next country in africa they're going to go straight to europe every single time and europe doesn't have the space the housing the food markets to sustain 
You know, they can bar- Sweden can barely sustain like the twenty, thirty thousand people that's in. It just doesn't have the tax base to do that. Now amplify that to one million, two million. Five million, six million, seven million. Well, just look at the million. disruption that one or two million immigrants from Syria and Africa have caused in Germany alone. Yeah, and the and the discord that that has caused. Correct. It's it's going to be. It, we'll probably be dead, but you know, like twenty sixty, twenty seventy, it's going to be a hell of a fun time because you're going to have a ton of like just ridiculous like land wars. Mm. Yeah, it, it is. We've been in this period of peace because we have nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, what happens when they're like, you're not going to nuke your own home. <laughs> well, yeah, nuclear weapons and the spread of capitalism. Absolutely. You know? Because that's the other thing is the one thing to stop a lot of that is their so- the social programs ruin it. Uh, because yeah. they fix the markets. government intervention from the UN, from Correct. the European Union. If you, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you allow neo-colonialism, yeah, if you allow capitalism to do its thing of regulating scarce resources that have other uses, you know, yeah. so like housing, all these food stuff like that. So it makes it you know not like a I can go here, but I can't get food or water, you know, so I'm not going to make it there. That, but if you fix the market with these government programs, that makes it okay. So if I make it there, I'm gonna you know they're gonna make sure I get a house. They're gonna make sure I get food. They're fixing the so. That that capitalism thing that would stop someone from going somewhere, you know, they kind of fixed. Reinhold says, "Who caused the discord? The people coming in, or the people who can't change their backward views about what their people should look like?" Well, it's, it's beyond like what they should look like. I agree, I agree that's not, uh, not a issue you should you know judge this based on the difference I, of I mel- like the difference between me and Harry is melanin. Like yeah. that's a, such a superficial. It's thing. It's a superpower, by the way. If you ask certain people, so. it, yeah, superpower helps my intelligence, yeah. makes me jump higher. <laughs> All right. The, the issue with, like, if I were to view it from the frame of the guy that shut up the mosque, and I, I understand that demographics is destiny, and I understand that because democracy, the biggest fault of democracy is it promotes the will of the people, and that if, you know, this is how democracy works. I want a certain law. If I get 51, 50% plus one, it's a law. Right. So his panic is solely based on demographics is destiny, and, like, I know that millions and millions more people are going to come into my country that are culturally different than me, speak mm-hmm. different languages than me, have different belief systems than me, and these people now can vote in right. my elections. They, they can pick my politicians, and those politicians are probably not going to vote in a way I want them to do, which the main point, the main issue here is democracy in itself. Democracy it will kill itself by based on that. That's why you see like so many bad laws today. That's why you get like AOC and people promoting that. It's because you'll kill yourself through democracy. So what would you see, what would you like to see in, instead? Well, Harry wants a kingdom, you know, but it's just we we have a republic and we're like we keep conservatives keep thinking that oh we'll, we'll uphold the constitution, nothing will ever happen. Like they don't follow it anyway. They're going to promote whatever law they want to do. Mm-hmm. So these people's fear in that is when suddenly like one billion Somalis are now in like Germany or France or something and they're all voting. They're going to vote in a, a basically a block, you know, because white people voted in a block for hundreds of years in America. Well, uh, do we want you want to free the slaves today? No, no, we'll do it next year. You know, so they always voted in a block because it's it's a, it's a strategy that even like Mormons, you know, like the 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 quiverful movement, Mormons to some extent, they practice as well. Like the whole point that Jim Bob off the Duggars has like seventeen kids is a demographic destiny. It's based on the, the the Bible concept that you know arrows in a quiver. The more arrows in a quiver I have at the gate, I can overcome the gate. So the Duggars and especially people in the quiverful movement see their children as the arrows. 
and the gates as the political establishment. If I want my, you know, fundamentalist religious utopia, I have to have more children and I can vote you out in local mm-hmm. elections, which move up to state elections to federal elections. That's the kind of concept that's going through their heads. If I don't get rid of all these immigrants, they're going to vote against me and take away things I like. And if they take away things I like, it's not worth living anymore. So I'm going to shoot up the mosque. Right. I'm going to shoot up this. And it's what we talk about all the time. The government is force, and it's two people with differing values fighting over mm-hmm. the gun. And if you win the gun, then you get to put it to the other person's head. Mm-hmm. So take away the gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's have a stateless society where people can live in. And, and this is really like the crazy part to me. You know, if I do nothing else in in the course of this podcast, all I care about is getting you to realize that your world and what you can control are your decisions and the world in front of you and your community, the hundred people that you see on a daily basis. The It's a radical notion in a world that says one individual's actions – in a country on the other side of the world means that your rights should be taken away. Mm-hmm. What insanity is that? I mean, it's it's sort of insane, but it's sort of not. Like in a perfect world, everybody would think exactly like I think, would vote the way I want them to vote, would do things I love to vote. Because I would love like my, my little anarchy utopia where I can do whatever I want whenever I want. But I understand that you know, by and large, like different cultures have a lot different values than I have. Nothing is objective in this world. Everything's subjective to where I go. And I understand that because things are subjective and we work in a democracy, that people will vote against me often they will. Because my views are a very, very small minority. I mean, libertarian views are like, what, 1% of like the actual population currently? I, mean, I know we use the trope that, you know, uh, you're all libertarian because you want to be left alone. But voting trends say the difference. You know, yeah. we say like, oh, you're a libertarian because, yeah, you want to leave it. They say that until it's voting time. You know, then it's like they vote for these really oppressive laws and these laws that kind of expand the role of government. Even conservatives that beat, you know, small government all the time, mm-hmm. they say that. So if I look at his perspective, the huge perspective, that's his main fear. And you'll see that in the libertarian movement as well with the, uh, the, the non-open voter libertarians, the close wall, build the wall libertarians. Same thing. They're afraid that. All these people from South America come up, vote in their elections, vote for more socialism, vote for whatever they want, you know, and it goes against their current wishes. I'm like, but that's the flaw in democracy. That's always been the flaw in democracy. That's ruined a lot of nations based on like what happens and what they do based on who they vote for and basically what they vote for at the time. So I understand his premise and why he did it. I understand like that fear. That's a, that's a long game type of fear that you're fearing like, you know, hundred years in the future because this isn't an inevitable thing. This is something that will occur. We don't have enough jobs for the people to migrate at that, that level. There's not enough jobs for those people. When people don't have a steady income to like feed themselves, clothe themselves, you know, send their children to school. They'll do things to get things done. And I, I'm not saying they're going to be violent right out the gate, but if you have the choice of starving or stealing a piece of bread, you're probably going to steal the piece of bread. Right. Hmm. So I understand that, you know, population grows and population is going to shift to these smaller countries that can't handle the burden, the load. So I think instead of, you know, being reactionary, well, we, have, we have to kill them there. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll kill them here in this mosque. It's, there, there has to be at least some effort to, control like these old superstitions these old like religious values that basically promote the idea that's going to cause your inevitable doom the the polygamy stuff the religious you know uh, zealotry that's occurring in like a lot of these cultures to be a one unified nation with people that you know are kind compassionate these old ideologies have to die you can't have 
people believing like you know like Sharia for example and that, that can't mingle with the West it doesn't mingle yeah, with the West mingle. we can't have people like have like three or four wives popping out like 30 40 children and expecting to actually make it in a Western society <clears throat> that's cost so much money to do yeah they have to be funded by the government at that point yep. so until these things are solved and the population crisis goes down and we kind of pull out of Africa kind of get you know isolate ourselves for a while we just need to isolate ourselves for a while and kind of fix what's occurred in all these foreign nations instead of bombing them, instead of wrecking them with like, you know, mm-hmm. economic warfare, cyber warfare, whatever we're doing. Get them to a point that there were, we are on like a Western civilization end where we, we're okay with like private property rights. We're okay with, you know, freedom of speech. Get them to that point, then integrate them. But we can't just at the current point in time. Throw everybody in the kettle and expect like situations like this not to happen. The speed so that that sounds like a separate but equal argument. In nationalism, it sounds like I don't know if you're making the case for nationalism, mm-hmm. but the nationalist argument, as you just articulated it, really sounds separate but equal. We'll just take yeah. care of ourselves. Well, I mean, am I misrepresenting? Like, yeah, because no. that's what I heard. Like, I basically heard you like, yeah, put up the walls until you learn to play nice with our culture. Right. I mean, it's it's his mind frame. So if I'm speaking on his you're not mind saying frame, you're not saying uh, that this is your view. Yeah. You're saying this is you're interpreting what the worldview of this particular individual. Well, a lot of people. It's right. not just this person. Oh, yeah. He's just right. more radical about it. A lot of people view it like that, and it's just because throughout history, every instance in history, there's always a clash, a conflict of culture. When it's oh, we we go to China, we have a war in China. It's a conflict of culture because we're having a war in China. It's because European thought, your Western thought, has always been dominant you know we, we've gone to these countries we colonize these countries we, we force them to do what we want to they have to play by our rules so when i have that mind frame that you have to play by my rules everything has to play by my rules are not allowed in but at the same time other cultures play that same thing too it's not like you know in saudi arabia you can be a shia muslim and go into saudi arabia you're not right it's a different culture even though it's the same you know branch of religion same culture basically geographically you can't. They don't like you there. They'll kick you out. They'll do a whole bunch of other stuff. This occurs everywhere in the world. These little segments of population that isolate themselves. And if they can't isolate themselves and they try to open it up, it usually gets lashed back. So, yeah, even if I am a Shia Muslim and I try to go to, like, Saudi Arabia outside the pilgrim, pilgrimage to Mecca, I might be okay until someone finds out I'm Shia. Then there's the case in the news that God beheaded the dude in the cab. Yeah. You know, it, this, yeah, this gets metal. I mean, this is on the news now because, like, you know, it's just a big event. Guy shot up the thing. He, he made it the manifesto that made it get attention. But this stuff happens everywhere in the world. Try being a Muslim in India or like a Hindu in northern India or in, in Pakistan. Yeah. Sort well, try, of try being a Christian in some of these places. Like yeah. Christians, right. believe it or not, I mean, not here in America, but Christians are the are, are killed more than any other ethnic group around the world. Like, if you you have. If you're not, yeah, if you're not if in you're, the United States, Europe, and the western part of Africa, right, you're 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 dead. Let's let's continue on with. And, go ahead, Harry. I was going to say, and in the western part of Africa is like uh, uh, now, like this could be, you know, like so take this with you with us. Like a lot of people is like for the. I also had the, the culture shock of like understanding that these different types of Muslims because like when people were talking about Muslims, the only Muslim I've ever contact was like Western African Muslims that was more a little bit more tempered, a little bit more Westernized because they had to deal with Christianity in the, in the West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not that you know, not, not the other side of sex. So like finding out, I was like, oh wow, there's these other like there's other cases, just like there's Baptists and Catholics. The the chat Friday made a, a good point here. The masses of dumb scared people are hindering our liberty. 
I don't think most people, or at least libertarians, would argue that. We can see more of our liberties every time. It's not a matter of, he's basically saying, like, it seems foolish for people to blame the loss of liberty on other peoples as opposed to the people who are actually making the resources more scarce, which is the government, which is government policies, which, you know, so both sides are blaming each other in a very old world mentality of those people Mm because it's easy to look at you and me and see the physical difference as opposed to heights good looks good looking right and then you and then or versus the thing that i have chosen to participate in and have pledged allegiance to in school and pay taxes to is oppressing me i think that's a much harder cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. in our minds to say yeah, you're, you're really, it's like the meme with the boot on your own head. But let's jump back into this because I think it's going to lead into another aspect of his psychology that I kind of want to break down. Lists around the world, calling them invaders, saying they're taking over. You know, this is a sort of classic white nationalist trope. And then there was all this kind of meta humor, like saying that he was radicalized by video games, which is another thing that internet extremists love to sort of troll the media with, like... You know, he posted previews of his gun on Twitter. The whole thing just kind of felt like it just set this shooting up as like almost an internet performance. Like it was native to the internet and it was born out of and aimed into this culture of extremely concentrated internet radicalism. But underneath it all is white nationalism, white supremacy, whatever you want to call it a kind of racism that has always existed. So why does the Internet's role in this feel especially before we, different? Before we jump into that, I want to I want to make clear that like this is not... Please stop talking. A, a kind of racism that has always I existed. don't want to hear so why does the Internet's Michael Barbaro's role? internet yeah. radicalism. <laughs> Let me just pause this. I need to refresh the page or something. The difference between it. white supremacy and... Uh, it's not going to go back to the same place. This is going to be... I'll just... So that leads me to the distinction between, I mean, white supremacy and white nationalism and nationalism and all that gets thrown into a bucket and Trump doesn't help because a lot of it is just we want to use this mindset like, you know, Terry Moran of ABC asked Donald Trump, you know, about white nationalism and the shooting and he basically said, this is a very small group of people who would perpetrate this sort of thing. And you're making it into something bigger. And somehow that was just the, the most offensive thing Donald Trump could have said when it's absolutely the truth. Right. I don't think that there is – I think it is a number of people that is growing, which we'll, expl- we'll talk about at, on the other side of this. But nationalism, white supremacy, white nationalism in terms of this particular culture, is it all interchangeable? Is it distinctive? Are you a white supremacist if you're a nationalist? Like, what is it in this world? How do they view it? We know the media views it all as one thing. Well, the the media has a a wrong pulse, a wrong pulse on it. So, like, the instinctive thing that you see on the media was, well, Trump's enabling this, right? Trump's enabling this because he does this. But if you actually read the forums, you actually looked into it, white supremacists hate the dude. White supremacists hate the dude for several reasons. Not building the wall quick enough. Not not basically making Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Giving money to Israel. Like, shit, they're done the moment he gave money to Israel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a white supremacist, you don't like Jews. Right. And the president's all up in Israel all the time. So it's like, it amazes me that the media will paint this. This is why you're seeing a bunch of Yang gang memes, right? So the alt-right, 
and anybody who's in these like little like isolated silo groups on the internet promotes the Yang Gang thing, which is it, funny. For presidential candidate Andrew Yang, Democrat. Which the thought is, we're always going to give money to Israel. We're always going to do this stupid shit. The, we should just crash the system by giving everybody $1,000, and then in the chaos of the crash, we'll take back you know what we're going to do. The burgeoning collapsitarian movement, yep. which you'll hear more and more about, which is like, let's elect Andrew Yang, who wants to give everybody $1,000 a month, UBI. We can't mm-hmm. afford it. Let's just collapse the system. Right. Let's yeah. get, the, let's get cowabunga, this up. cowabunga it is, let's which I think is up. absolutely moronic, but for me, we'll talk about collapsitarianism some other time, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, their pulse has been wrong on it. And I don't think that, you know, explicitly, like, these people are white nationalists. It's not about building your ethno state. It's just a bunch of lashing out. And it's lashing out because of a political establishment doing something that they disagree with. Because I look at these people, they're like 20 years old, 18 years old, you know, 26 years old. They're, they're kind of young. And it's not like these kids went to Klan rallies or they went to like neo-Nazi rallies. They, they never got indoctrinated like that. It's always been they've been isolated on the internet. And when they've been isolated on the internet, it just evolved into, well, you know, I'm 24-year-old neat. Uh, I'm not doing anything with like my life right now. I'm just soaking up all this information on the internet. And you know what? Like, yeah, these news stories that the media keeps pushing, these like – Here's another news story. Here's another the 24-7 news cycle. It's just bad things happening, bad things happening, bad things happening over and over again. It gives you, like, it's nudging you to that edge where it's like, you know, fuck all this bad stuff. It's Let's blame it on these people because these people are in, like, 30% of these news stories. The media, and you'll see this, I mean, in, in this, but the media overall... Mm-hmm. doesn't understand its own role in creating this particular movement of people. Yeah, and Nice said a word. I wanted to define it because this word probably went over it. A lot of you guys, a lot of people ahead who are not aware of it, define neat. The N-word? Oh. Uh, Wait, neat? Like as in, I'll take my drink, neat? Not in, not in education, employment, or training. Basically, I'm the dude that plays League of Legends 14 hours a day at home, 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't go to bed till like 4 o'clock at night. Not, not, not in education. I'm not like, or occupational training. So they're basically 18 year old adults with basically no, basically no career path. They're not in college. They're not doing any, not this. Let's be honest. If you're, if you're 18 at home, no career path, no education, you ain't getting any. There's always some girl with low self-esteem, my dude. (laughs) I know. know. Uh, That's true. James has had far more. But there's a lot of neat. There's a lot of neats in Europe because of Europe's large social safety net, right? So mm-hmm. if you know you're only paying like forty bucks a call just free, or there's no jobs, you know, so they subsidize you with council housing, council flats. There's a lot of needs in Europe compared mm-hmm. to the United States. In the United States, we can't do that that often unless you're living with mom and dad till you're thirty, mm-hmm. because we don't have a social safety net. You either get a job or you're on the street. Men without purpose. Yeah. So in Europe, where they have these safety nets, where it's just like, yo, I'm like thirty two and I'm still doing my bachelor's degree because college is free in this part of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why yeah, it's why you have a lot of European streamers and can take off because they're just kind of sitting at home and just making Twitch well, money. I, 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 we can jump back into this later, but I, I don't want to break Sorry. into the conversation. But uh, like, I was talking to my therapist today, so I still go to therapy. I check in once a month, you know, try to be emotionally healthy and stable. And <laughs> Harry put his headphones down and just walked away. <laughs> He's like, I need more coffee for this shit. And I was talking about, um, like, I don't even know that I want to say this just because a white a white male's complaining on the internet. Oh no, 
because the idea of a a white male perspective in our culture has become offensive almost. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on this podcast that'll be coming out soon. A lot of racial conversation. And one of the guys that I was talking, sorry, Harry, uh, I was talking to somebody who who's a young black male and he, um, you know, we, we come from just two, like his, I don't know what it's like to be him. And he thinks he knows what it's like to be me. And it's just like, do you think we all just walk around in clan hoods? <laughs> like, like it just was bizarre. But you know, it, it, it's there's just this very much this attitude of it's time for you to sit down and shut up. And it, I think it is. And he basically said to me, "You're just now being treated the way that the rest of us have been treated." I don't think that's a, that's an unfair statement to say that that white men are not enjoying being treated the way that a lot of minorities or women or, or the intersectional class has been treated in, in terms of dismissiveness. Like we're going to dismiss you. We're going to dehumanize you. We're not going to listen to your perspective. We're going to, I, I mean, you're making a face. Like, do you disagree with me, Harry? Yeah, it doesn't sound right. Uh, one, cause you're not white. You're Irish now. You found that out. So <laughs> your white card. Uh, second of all, like no majority of men are dismissed or like, unless you have power or property or money, most men are dismissed. Well, that's what I was saying to my therapist today. Cause it really has rubbed me raw. And I think there's a frustration for men that, there's this attitude of why if you're a white man you must have all this privilege correct and i don't i think that if you're in the world that nice travels in or if you're if you're like i don't have power i may have things that happen to me on a daily basis that don't happen to harry there's differences Mm -hmm. i think that white privilege does exist i think that there is you know you and i have two totally different mentalities when we get pulled over by the police yeah um I, like, I think Ooh, a friend, <laughs> right? Oh, hey, buddy, I love you. I'm gonna record him. You're like, oh shit, I'm gonna die. Like, I just, I think there are definitely those things, but at the same time, what, what, we've grown up with the over promotion of female success. We need to counterbalance this, and I think that at certain points that has come at the cost of men. And I think we are now in territory where the majority of men across the world are not are not working in jobs that fulfill them. They have no purpose. And the male species in particular has a conquering attitude. I'm working on a podcast project where it's it's men and women talking about their career arc, their how they became successful, how they got to where they're at. And the women that get interviewed talk about things in much more emotional terms, much more humble terms. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the men talk about things and I conquered that. I'm, you know, there, there's these sex differences that we're not uh, even allowed to have these conversations out loud about, you know, and the people who dare talk to a male audience, then, you know, I wrote 12 rules of life. Okay. Here's 1500 hit pieces about what an alt-right piece of shit you are. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a, I'm a young dude who likes to watch Joe Rogan talk about hunting. Okay. Here's 15 New York times articles about how he's connected to, you know, Richard Spencer and he's a Nazi troll. Like the dude's a socialist. Like I, I just think there is, there is a feeling amongst men of being left behind 
and nobody's reaching out and the people who do reach out get their hands slapped Mm -hmm. and that just feeds the frustration and we don't have the social connection that we used to have we don't have people engaged in in faith communities like we did we don't have people engaged in a bunch of different um activities like men used to go to the masons and they have shared projects and build community uh projects we don't men don't do that they play video games they find community online they escape intimacy by instead of going out and trying to better yourself to get yourself a girlfriend, you throw dollars at some girl who has, uh, who you can pay 30 bucks a month and then pretend that's your girlfriend or, uh, the unseen pandemic in this country that is going to be talked about soon because it's untenable are the amount of wives that are in therapy on a daily basis, talking to therapists across this nation going, I'm ready and willing, and my husband would rather watch porn. You laugh, but every fucking woman listening to this podcast just started shaking her head. And if you are a man that got mad at me for saying that, you better take a look at your behavior because that's not real intimacy. And I think that it just got real quiet, real awkward in here. Well, like a lot of that. But but I think what, what we have done with the Internet as men we have taken that masculine attitude of conquering, put it into trolling, and put it into easy outs for intimacy and connection, and we have neglected real life. And so now women are sitting there going, I mean, this is Jordan Peterson's message. It's like, I'm trying to make men better. I'm not anti-female. I'm trying to make men better partners for women. Yep. You know, you shouldn't watch as much porn as you do. You shouldn't have loud, aggressive sex with your wife and treat her like she's property. That is, these are not three, these are not 2D characters you're watching on the screen. Uh, but 2D characters are better. Yeah, you know, your anime yeah. titties. They're quiet. They're, you know, oh. if you're, if you're paying a cam girl or if you're, if you're sending women things off of their wish list because, and you're using that as, uh, an avenue for for fake intimacy I you should a, stop I, it i have a complaint Ooh. about that all right all right there's so much i shit you not so much ddlg daddy daughter little girl pay me money and i'll fucking give you i'm like listen i'm like you're at least a three out of ten you don't you don't demand money for me to treat you like a sub like that it, right? it's ruining women too it's, it, it is it, it is making women go well if i can't find a decent guy i should just you're, join you're, a you're on soul robbing <laughs> sugar you're, baby you're website. on tinder right you're on Tinder, right? I'm not, no. no. I'm, I'm banned from Twitter. Okay, but when, you, when we were swiping, how many girls said that you see the title DDLG or like uh, sub or like I'm a brat or something in the profile? Oh, because yeah. They're, it's, they're, they're instigating the dominance that men used to give them where right. it's like, I'll treat you like, well, I'll take you out to eat. I'll take you, I'll take you out to the movie. I'll do. I'll pay for you and Monet- I'll do this stuff. Look, just Google monetary domination. Yeah. Fin, fin dump, yeah. Financial domination. domination. Certain, yeah, go on, go on. Oh, all right, all right. You said a lot. There was a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. One, I think these communities uh, of guys doing different things do exist. Just like um, there in Discord, we do instead of getting together and playing basketball and doing it and hanging out, we go we get together in team sport and play paladins. Uh, listen, let me let you me clarify. Oh, oh, no, I'm, I'm not just, saying that these things that. are bad. We have community, and it's been a great blessing in my life. I, but if you like online community, is is junk food. It's fast food. 
At some point, you have to eat your vegetables and have a face-to-face conversation with another human being. Oh, yeah. Of course. You can have meetups, and it's great for like that. that. Just like, but uh, we also have got, uh, there's maker spaces where people get together and make different things. There's people who are out there that are all reaching out there and wanting that intimacy and p- pulling that back into, yeah. the, uh, back into their lives. But the first great meme war Gamergate was because those institutions were under attack. The one thing that the guys had, right. those things got, became, came under attack. No, and I get that. I think that's, I think that's like, it's like, why does girls in Boy Scouts ruffle men so much? It doesn't. Yeah, it does. If, if you just go ask most men, do you think girls should be allowed in Boy Scouts? 90% of men will say no. All right. I've talked to like five Eagle Scouts and none of them gave a damn. I just I, I'm telling you, it's not about the people who are involved in the organization. It's the general opinion. Oh, okay. okay, and it's a counter reaction to this notion of you can't have men's clubs, you can't have men's schools, you can't have men, but women can do whatever they want. And and it it's like it it, it I'm I'm trying yeah. not to sound like a a, a knuckle dragging Neanderthal, but I think society at large, men, women, babies. People don't understand the alienation, especially of younger guys. No, they don't. And that alienation and disconnection leads someone like this to very radical places to replace real intimacy, to replace real community. And it's up to those of us who are healthy or at least able to start building communities, to to encourage men to walk away from things that – like. I'm not. I'm not saying like, don't join online communities or play video games know, with your I, friends I, or I, watch. Po- like I'm saying, I, like that. You have to decide: is this a problem in my life that I am no longer engaging in real life? Like, if you are a man who cannot have sex with your wife because you'd rather watch porn, you're sick. Like, and I don't mean like you're. you're hold on, hold on. I'm saying are, you need to go to counseling to deal with your intimacy issues. Correct. But are they sick, or are their wives not communicating um, the sex that they're having? Because a lot of different times you've got someone who wants to interact and go into sex, they're not communicating. Like a lot of different people is from the one, it's the sexual education in this country is awful. God awful. Most people, men learn sex from porn. Men are brick walls when it comes to their wives. You, you and I both know this. The, the very person who knows you best, who is telling you something, you're going, I fucking, I'm so tired of her nagging me. I just, you know, niece, you've been, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't get nagged, sir. I, I don't get nagged either. I do the nagging. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, were the never mind. I do the nagging, <laughs> but you know. But then I said, like that sexual conversation to have with your spouse. You know, if you find that your spouse is willing to. Uh, self-love with pornography maybe you need to have a conversation one try to enjoy it with them have a sexual conversation don't, don't find something don't else confuse that, healthy intimacy with uh, your I, i'm what, saying what, self-love I, I, they're I, self-loving because they're not getting that exact same pleasure with you maybe you should have a better conversation with, with your sex uh, i'm talking about couples who haven't had sex in 
months or years. And if you, like, but, I, I asked my therapist about this today. Yeah, but she said a, one or two women a day in yeah, her office yeah, every day. Yes, like, but she goes, "It's a pandemic." Yeah, but you say that right? But we used to laugh at the pandemic of guys who did not get sex from their wives for years. Mm-hmm. I know several married men, right, who who hasn't had sex with their wife in years. Sure. That is a joke that is still said today, like, oh, when she get married, she stops putting out. It's why Peg Bundy was so funny, because Peg Bundy was begging for it. Now Bundy wouldn't give it to her because Correct. it was so counterculturally. It was it yeah. was ironic. Mm-hmm. It's no longer ironic. Yeah. It, it's now the predominant thing that nobody's talking about. I'm telling you, you are hearing it. You hear things here too years before everybody talks about it yeah. because they're getting, telling you it's a real thing because they're getting that self-pleasure that self-love from themselves sending that that doing that you know that and all that type of entertainment and that's why they do to these uh um these adult cam models like that and buys them for stuff because that it, that they want to to experience an intimacy that mm-hmm. they're not getting with their wife so there's basically you're right it is a fast food thing but i think it's just that unhealthy unhealthy conversation that is not taking place and they're having that conversation with their therapist not a couple therapist not a sex therapist that will help them get that intimacy there are people out there that will help bring that intimacy back into their lives yeah i'm saying that it needs to be addressed but i think there are uh tremendous like i think that I have personally never heard anybody push back on the use of porn except for like weird Christian people, right? Yeah. Like, and now some red pill people are starting to kind of say this stuff too. It really, for me, started to, to hit home over the last few months of like, in talking to multiple female friends, like if you're a guy that can have conversation with your married female friends about these things, start asking around. I guarantee you'll go, holy shit. You know, I, I just I think that it is it is something that's not being talked about. It's an and I think for guys our generation, there's so much of the internet that we got started at 13, 12 or 13 with so many different things. If it's just like James said early on, he illustrated it perfectly. If my dad hadn't done this, if my dad hadn't had a hearing and vision issue, like, like I think, like we have had so many, we have had um, as as millennials of both sexes, our minds have been connected to this hose of humanity that has been. I think it's just it, it's fucked with our notion of what is healthy and what isn't. Well, there's too much. I'll, I'll put it this way: it, it's like too I much should, expectations, right? Yeah. Right. So, like when I when I look at the the women that have like multiple social medias, like I said, with the daddy daughter little girl thing, or like the the pay pig shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I see that all over on Facebook, on Twitter. I see this all on social media. This is what they want. They're not wanting a full-on commitment relationship like they would like you know 10 15 20 years ago they're substituting that commitment with mm-hmm. essentially a form of prostitution from the man i'm paying you money and you kind of enact certain things would be normal in like a relationship but then on the other spectrum you have men here that's like you know i'm not really going to get off unless i can like you know like stuff her in a washer and dryer and do some weird fucking like kinky shit with like robes and like beat her with candles or some shit you know some ridiculous high expectation of like pornography after after 30 years of porn use you've turned you've turned women into an object 
for personal gratification, yeah, and, and it, you're treating your wife in a way that is unloving and, even then, and terrible. Like, even, even the realist in me is like, okay, like even if you found a woman that's able to do like all these like really dark fetish things you want to do, you're not going to last more than ten seconds, dog. She's going to be pissed. Because like you're, when you when you idolize and fetishize sex to that degree, where you're substituting your intimacy for aggressive sex like that, when you actually do get it, like your brain just overdrives into yeah. it, and then at that point you ruined your relationship anyway because now you're like two pump chump, dude. Correct. Yeah. I, I, and yeah, then you're laying there flaccid, weak, and turnabout's fair play. So when you get bent over, that's all you. <laughs> I just like all of this. Like I've really kind of been thinking about my own personal use of the internet in every area and how I relate to people in every area and you know for me thinking about porn it's been something that I'm I'm actually like I realize now I'm participating in that process and I'll tell you what what it really was and I really pissed off a female friend when I explained this and so I'm told you in in the group chat I'm gonna piss everybody off I was watching one and the girl had cut marks on her arm and empathy hit me like a bolt of lightning. And I said, and something in my brain just said, what if this action is emotional cutting and you're participating in it? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that's presumptive. Correct. But it never occurred to me that this is a cycle that I'm involved in because it's like watching television. It's 2D figures. It's it's instead of making a choice that I am as a consumer encouraging the creation of something that may be harmful to other people. And so it made me go, ooh. But, you know, and I know libertarians are all really pushing sex work right now. Well, and and, and, I, and I'll let you comment on this in just a moment. But at the end of the day... Sex work should be legal. There should be no laws against it. People should be allowed to live their lives as they want. Um, I'm not going to shame somebody for that. I'm not going to cast guilt on them, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of stuff that I do that, uh, like, we just have to live in a world of acceptance and and um, connection and treat e- each other, like, with dignity and respect, no matter what your choice is and what, what you do, right? Um but I'm not on the promote sex train as like the first platform blank. You know what I mean? Like I just don't, I don't find it to be a healthy line of work. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out there pushing that. And so like that experience for me a few months ago kind of made me go, this isn't just, and it was getting a little too far. It was getting a little too much. Like I'm too comfortable in this space. I don't have to go out and date. I don't have to go. Like I want a healthy relationship with a woman, and it's going to be more difficult if I like this more than I like them, because I'm looking at exactly what I like and exactly what pushes my buttons, and that's probably not who I'm going to get married to. And I think a lot of guys have gotten too far away with with this, and I think it is it, it is. I'm bringing it up because it is the most button-pushing, thought-provoking use of the internet in every man's life that you need to think about. Are you substituting online culture for real connection with other people? And I think that when we look at a guy like this, are we, per- are we perpetuating a system that allows a man off the hook to go so far that he will be dive so deep into his mania that he will go murder 50 people because he thinks he will be some sort of weird hero to people. You know, 
what are the choices that we are making every single day on the internet as we click on news stories as we as we give our attention to things what are we what world are we choosing and are we being intentional about choosing the world that we want to see because the reality is i can do nothing to go and stop more people from killing somebody else other than what i do on this program when i talk to you or intervening in the friends in the lives of maybe the 15 friends that i have that level of intimacy with i cannot go to new zealand and save these people's lives the cops took 36 minutes to get to them to save their life like you cannot outsource this stuff all you can do is choose to understand your values and choose to live those out on a daily basis and so I bring up porn because I really want to push people to think about how they engage with the world. Are you living on a fast food diet of cheap and easy connection with people or are and avoiding real intimacy? Hmm. So that's what I'm trying to say. I see. I see what you're saying. All right. Uh, one, stop watching free porn. Pay for your porn. Uh, because, <laughs> you, uh, because you see that and you put that what you believe you uh, those things are like that that person that is doing that that is a small business owner uh and they both are getting paid i'm just and, laughing and because michael rowe goes but talking to real people is harder work than on the internet it's LOL. not it's not hard, it's talking not. people on the internet is hard work to get some actual intimacy on the internet it's very very hard going up to a random stranger up into a bar and saying hey what's up i find that so i go I, i'm actually more interactive in person that I am online. Online, I am a complete introvert. I do not like talking to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing with uh, sex workers is that a lot of them, it's a billion-dollar industry mm-hmm. that no one wants to talk about and that each one of those camera girls are all small businesses. They're all getting paid. No one's doing it because that's their last ditch ever. They do that because a lot of them do it because they want to do it. Bell Daphne's up to a uh, hundred thousand a month when she does her stupid little Hago face. So yeah. you know this is, she's making bank. I mean that's a lot. Think about it. Right. This woman but, gets a hundred thousand a month just to make anime faces because it turns you on. Correct. Yeah. And the thing is, the idea that you can get decentral desensitized mm-hmm. to porn is like, what are you desensitized to violence because you watch violent video games stuff like that? No. If you saw actual freaking violence in front mm-hmm. of you, it would shock the crap out of you. Just uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are possibly maybe desensitized sex is people who do it as a as a living. This is oh no oh yep just gonna go over there fluff this person real quick and then then tape this uh, uh this anal scene that person's probably desensitized. I mean I I get desensitized because I know Paul is probably watching this right now. I get desensitized every time we play Paltons right. We, that's mm-hmm. our community and we play video games every time you pick freaking Furia, dude. I swear to God. I swear to God, dude. <laughs> like I love you a little bit less. It's like I, I can't get heels when I need heels. <laughs> There, there! I said it. I said it right here. So, anybody listening to this, why don't you, why don't you PM Paul, tell him to pick a real healer, like an actual healer, not not somebody you just want to shoot shit with. Pick a real healer. I'll see you tonight. What? <laughs> I, it seems like a good time for me to go to the bathroom. I, I went to the restroom and I, well, I missed a lot. Apparently, well, no, we're, we're, yeah. we're talking about community. Harry, myself, even Reinhold, Paul. Like we'll, we'll play like uh, video games at night, right? And like, well, in the, in the channel, sometimes we get like, uh, Donovan or some other people kind of come in and play. 
But uh, it's it's like a normal social. It's like if you were playing basketball, right? Sure. And like you know, like normally you play with your friends. Like you'll shit talk with your friends, right? Men don't do what women do, mm-hmm. which is sit around and talk about things and feelings. And like men have to have a shared thing that they're working on for mm-hmm. us to bond. Like yes. Harry and I are never really going to go out to dinner. Just he and I sitting there and talking to each other. We, we went did. To lunch. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Yeah, but lunch is different. Like, but like Harry, I call Harry up on a on a Thursday and I go, Hey, you want to get dinner? And then he goes, sure. And then we go out to dinner for two hours and talk about our feel. Like, guys don't do that. Like, Rupert, so Rupert and I get together and watch Survivor. Mm-hmm. And I type out on his Twitter what he wants me to, like, I type for him because yeah. he's dyslexic. It's all him saying it, but it's me typing it. The main, Rupert could do that, but the main reason is that Rupert and I want to maintain that connection. And so every Wednesday night at eight o'clock, we talk for an hour. Because we, it's a shared thing. Mm-hmm. Like men don't just men don't connect in the same way that women connect. True. Like they have to have a shared thing. So online community is good. Like I'm not saying that any of that is bad. I'm it, saying like is it is are things getting too far? Like are you looking at your life feeling a certain way, feeling depressed, and then you you don't realize it. Correct. And that's the one thing that a lot of wives don't, uh, some people don't understand when they're trying to bond with their um, right. significant other who is possibly male, or, yeah. male or just does this, is that if you want to know about his feelings, play a video, sit down, play a video game with him and start asking him questions. Distract his dumb ass. Right. right. While he's doing there, like, it's hard for even myself, you know, you know how awesome I am to right. sit down with my wife. Emotionally and mature. Right. Right. To sit down and really talk to my wife about my feelings. One, because when I really start on it, I can show the death of my feelings to her and it kind of freaks her out sometimes. <laughs> so we like to do, like to do projects, you know, like, hey, help me with this project and we can talk and bond on it. Like right now, I'm, I'm helping her get her technician's ham radio license. Mm-hmm. I bought right. a bunch of radios. I'm going to start doing it at the Liberty and Chill meetups and forcing everyone to get their ham radio operator license. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find that women are usually scared of male feelings or maybe I just have too many. Uh, I know James, you and I are on the opposite end, like of I have too much empathy and feelings, and you have none. Well, well no, like I'll be at home, right? And like, because like he's doing like things with his like wife, he'll go do ham radio, right? But like it's, it's the opposite for me, because like people will come in the room, like the doors open, it's like it's goddamn three in the morning, and you're just going over and over again in the microphone, like she's like, are those your friends? Because like like the shit that's coming out of your guys' mouth right now is just fucking ridiculous. It's three in the morning, we're trying to sleep, waking everybody up, and like literally, like I'll like be hunched over like like a goblin in the dark, just shooting people, and she's like, you know. But that's just a communication breakdown because she likes to play video games, but she likes things like Pokemon, right? So right. she likes these, you know, gun and go as you go, Harvest Moon. Yeah. So like right. she, she's like, oh, I like it. This is when we started a date, she's like, oh, I like it. You're a gamer. Then like after like the first day, she's like, oh, holy shit. And she's like, like on 16 hours and this dude's just like hanging in his boxers, fucking killing dragons and shit, <laughs> screaming like, you know, slurs in the microphone. What I'm a, like, what, well, a, what a fulfilling relationship you must have. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. Yeah. So like I'm too much autism for her sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's like she'll come in at three in the morning. I'll be playing with them, and like we say like some ridiculous stuff, and like there sometime we'll like screech, and uh, Paul Paul will be like screaming yeet, like like loud, so you hear the house like yeet. yeet. She comes in, and she's like, "What the fuck are you guys doing, dude?" But yeah. that's, it's, a, it's a miscommunication. Even if you do like the same things, there can be different levels of like Correct, enjoyment. Yeah. So like I use that as an example because she likes video games. I like video games. Well, she's a here. 
I'm a here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Men take it too far sometimes. I mean, I'm yeah. not. I'm not taking it too far. I'm, I just get more into it. Than mm-hmm. Like I said, she she does like Harvest Moon. She does like yeah. her. She's got the cat game value. she plays. She does the, the even Pokemon. Right. Like when we started talking about Pokemon, this is, this is the level of it. She's like, yeah, you know, like I started with like Squirtle. I'm like, you know, the issue with Squirtle is his IV and EV is really kind of bad. But if you're into Min Max, you know, you definitely need to get an Alakazam because his speed stat is basically three times higher than everyone else with a higher percent of critical chance. So his EV level and IV levels are much better and it's kind of like but I like the way Jigglypuff looks it's like but okay all right, I'm cutting this off uh, <laughs> I th- well what I was about to say is that I think that like men sometimes don't feel comfortable sharing their feelings with women or anybody really for that matter like I, I Brene Brown is one of my heroes if you uh, if you're man woman they be whatever mittens like, go read uh, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Short book, life-changing book, really great. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of her work. And so she, she on Audible, there's this great talk, I think, called The Power of Vulnerability. I've listened to it maybe a dozen times. And there's this one point where a guy walks up and uh, just go ahead, man. Just belch. Do it. Sorry. I have respect uh, for um, people in the kingdom. But... She, she, this guy walks up to her and goes, that was a great talk about vulnerability. And my wife and daughters are your biggest fans. Those, those two, those three women right there that just stood in line for an hour to have you sign their book that just talk about vulnerability and openness and sharing. And they would rather see me die on my white horse than fall off. And she goes on to talk about male vulnerability and how hard it is for men to open up, especially to women, because women don't allow men to be vulnerable. Because as a guy who is very comfortable talking about my feelings, it the it's it can be a little much for women because they're used to guys who don't talk. Right. And I have found in dating, uh, this is a bit too much learned behavior that I'm, I'm trying to get over that, that, that I talked a little bit about today in therapy, that as a guy, when I open up and I share, the woman that I'm talking to stops talking to me within a week. Mm. Do you and, think maybe you're oversharing? Uh, well, I used sure. to, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Not, not as much anymore. Mm-hmm. But well, do, do you think possibly, right? Like, I don't know, like, your childhood that much, right? Yeah. But do you think perhaps you didn't develop like sort of social skills that allows you to do that? Like, I mean, I'm autistic as shit, dude. But like, it, did it James Neese just call me autistic, Harry? It's over for me. Well, I'm gonna well, hang myself. Well, after like this. even then, like I, I, I never, like I had a problem with intimacy, right? But it was a different level of intimacy. Right. Like it was super easy for me to go, like you know, do the, the Jacksonville trip and just be like, oh, here's a thought. Let's do it. You know, it's super easy to do, but it was always super hard for me to like when in a relationship, right? To kind of see on the same level and a lot of different things because like I'm like, I like to be left alone a lot of the times. Right. So like that was an issue, but you know, just kind of running the gamut with like the tender, you know, back then it was like, you know, plenty of fish where I was just running that gamut of just like, Oh, here's another one. Oh, here's another. Oh, super easy because I'm introverted. No, you know, in, um, uh, Tommy boy where they're in the restaurant mm-hmm. and, uh, Greg, Greg, identified this and he was so right he goes you know when he's like here's look at this little bread and i just i love it and i pet it and i squeeze it and then i just like he goes that's you with a woman and and so i've I've had to learn over time to like keep that keep that stuff kind of hidden back but Mm. in, in talking to other guys i do think that that is 
that is not uncommon. There, there is a little bit of. I think we could use a little bit more help from uh, the female race. Well, no, <laughs> it's like the reason I asked the question, right? Is like in high school. Like, let's use high school. That's the biggest social learning curve you have is For in sure. high school. Oh, right? yes. Like, were were you constantly? I mean, like, there's always a guy that has like tons of girls around him, but he never gets laid, right? They're always there, but they never get laid. Was, was that a situation with you? You uh, never developed that. Like, I'm able to seal a deal. I'm able to like get straight to. The, I'm not oh, able to be blunt. Yeah, I, I mean, not not anymore, but sex has never been, like, I'm not well, anti-sex, but it was never, like, in high school a motivator for well, me. No, like, yeah. I, I just, like, my value system was never, like, I look at a female for for sex. Like, well, there was never a deal in my, in high school, it just wasn't even a thought to me. Well, I mean, like, I'm not saying, like, it's because it has to be the most important thing. Usually right. it's, uh, there's a mentality that goes with it that I'm able to, from the moment I talk to a girl, to basically the end game, like I'm, you know, I'm in bed with her or something, you know, like that. I'm able to comfortably be able to do that. Yeah, no, I, I, I have, I am not comfortable with any of that process. So, I mean, would, 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 would that be like an inhibitor? Whereas, like, since you weren't comfortable with that process in your younger development years, of basically just having the confidence to basically like any woman here I can talk to, get her to come over and stuff like that. I, if that I you're... look at you, like, you should get it right. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> like if I stare at you for a long time, no, are you I, substitu- I definitely are you substituting that maybe by an emotional appeal as opposed to like a physical aggressive appeal. Yeah, no, I'm not comfortable with physical aggressiveness in any way. Or it's like, at all. like, hey, let me just be, uh, no. the best way to put it is like really up I'll go on, I'll loud. go on 10 dates with a girl before I even get in her space. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask, like it, it just, it's not, it's just not who I am. It's not part of me. It's like, it's an awkwardness thing. Like it just, it's, and it is that way with most people. I'm not an aggressive person. Well, yeah. That, that might yeah, also be an issue. And sometimes because some people like people to be assertive, they like people to make the first move, you right. know? So if like I'm a woman and I'm just like, you know, my type of guy, like I like him to, you know, just be comfortable, assertive, being able to like, you know, be spontaneous, get stuff done. But I meet you and like you're on like this is like date number four and we're talking about your cats. You know what I mean? It's kind of like uh. And we've had deep, meaningful conversation about our traumas, and we've had lots yeah. of fun. But they're going, is this but, guy going to kiss me or not? Yeah, but like that could be an issue, right? And that, right. I think that's a communication issue between men and women and a certain things. Like sure, someone wants, someone wants something, but they're not communicating. It's not like you know, like hey bang me in the back of this Wendy's bathroom because I'm fucking into that and you're hot. You know, it's just like... <laughs> I am very much an awkward mis- Midwestern. Like, I am David Letterman internally, especially with women that I am I like. Like, it's very much a... It's very much a nervous thing. Like, I, I certainly have have learned over the last, like, three or four years. Divorce really, like, propels you into new territory, and it certainly did with me. But growing up, it was nev- It was always, like... The idea that you would touch a woman without her, like kissing someone without their permission seems like a violation uh, i mean like it just i don't know it, it, and i know that it's not but to me it's just like that midwestern attitude of awkwardness and i've always liked my personal space and so i just assume others do too well i mean i'm less of that now i'm like 30 something but like in like my teen years and 20 yeah i was definitely more assertive but just to kind of just right. do what i want to do now i'm just kind of like i don't really care dude i really i'm just going to play my video games i don't really care what we do but you know like <laughs> that low t during that uh those college years, you know, where I'm constantly like at a college party. I'm just constantly like high off my ass. I'm like, it was literally just, you know, high energy all the time. Right. Not so much anymore, but 
maybe like the issue like for some guys in certain instances like they never had that you know development period in the years for unknown reasons it could be you know just you weren't interested in it all the way up to being like you know like well i'm just unlikable no that's Um, it's more that than interest no i yeah like it was never a lack of interest in sex it was always more like who is going to like me hmm. and that's that's why i still go to therapy like i i i think i i'm never and i found this to be like I work with a lot of comedians, I work with a lot of broadcasters, I work with a lot of people in the media eye. I am always so surprised to find some of the most successful people completely confused that anybody likes them. Mm-hmm. Like I have a life that if I went back and told my 17-year-old self the life that I have now, he would go get the fuck out of here, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel so inadequate in every area of my life all the time. And I think, I, I don't think that that's abnormal. I think so many people feel that all the time. And I don't think that they're comfortable saying that. I'm very uncomfortable saying this well, because, oh, oh, you look weak. You're weak. You can't, like, you can't fuck as many chicks as niece. Like, your, your value as a man isn't as, isn't as, I don't give a fuck at this point. Like, at this point, if you're two hours in, like, you're you're sticking with us like i i think that I think I'm awesome. feeling <laughs> right feeling inadequate or f- that imposter syndrome where mm. i'm a fraud and everybody's going to figure it out soon enough or it doesn't matter how i look at the downloads and we're we're at a certain level are, are, or are, are you a risk taker hmm. act as it were impossible to fail yeah, are you a risk taker? Like that. That's um, the, it's my mantra. Like if I, if I can't I, fail. Do you think I'm a risk taker? I don't. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. Okay. You Why? Don't, you know, I don't know. You you play it safe, and a lot of the times you're right to play it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will take. I will take. At least from what I'm seeing, I'm sorry. I will take informed risks. Hmm. Like see, that's I, not I'm a nev- risk taker. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not. I, I can be impulsive, but I'm not a risk taker. See, like, I, don't, if, I don't. How do you define it? If I were to be like, form. okay, let's say you, we get two weeks off work. Terry's off work for two weeks. You're off work for two weeks. And I'm like, you know, fuck it. You want to go to Colorado? We'll just get high in Colorado. There's no pressure there. It's legal in Colorado. We just get high. We just do whatever the fuck we want in Colorado. No, I wouldn't be yeah. comfortable being out of control like that. But that's, I think that's probably what you need in certain instances. <laughs> sure. Right? Like if your if your issue is like I'm feeling inadequate sometimes, and my issue is like I'm, I'm having issues in this manner. Where where like things aren't really clicking with me the way I want them to click with me and stuff you're doing like you're like 30 something years old it's not working do some risky stuff that normally you wouldn't do right. um, you, I know you don't drink and I know you don't do that but that's something you don't do we can go to a state where like you're not going to get in trouble for it just to do that it's not a matter of being well I think it, it is it's not a matter of I'm going to get in trouble it's a matter of I you don't want to lose control but losing right. control is good sometimes like, I, f- I feel like I'm I'm doing a lot of I'm very I'm doing a lot of important things that I I I'm dedicated to and mm-hmm. to lose focus from that is but, is irresponsible I mean but that's the point of a vacation there's no point in a vacation right these vacations if you get one is to sit here on the couch and just do the same thing you do during your average work week how did I mean, this become knees becoming my therapist I don't know where, like, how, yeah. where have we gone and, uh, uh-huh. but yeah, I would therapy chat right here I, yeah. w- I would I like it if, if, if that's my issue if your issues are uh, I, I you know I feel like I'm inadequate in these things and I'm like, having issues connecting with people outside just like splurging on like you know emotional drivel 
it's like, why not, you know, have a week to yourself? We'll go, we'll go to the electric course. We'll go to Burning Man and no one there knows you. There's no, there's no social pressure there. You just do whatever you want to do for like, just lose yourself for like a week. I feel like I'd be so annoyed though. I feel but, like I'd be so uncomfortable and annoyed and but like, that's a mental block. Feeling once, gross. You're, you're once your phone, yeah. yeah, once your phone lost power. All right. Time became nothingness. <laughs> you, you would just kind of ease into it. Yeah. But I think it's like you you you, you think you're going to get annoyed because you're not in the situation currently. You're thinking like, oh, it's just going to be loud. There's people up in my face. But like everybody's like that the first time any any sort of like situation that's kind of wild and chaotic. It's like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Right. Here, right. Mm-hmm. But as you kind of get into it, like hour goes by, two hours, three hours, you get into it. Like it's probably healthy for you to do that because human beings are not meant to be ordered. Like we try to order right. things all the time, but we're essentially chaotic. We don't know what's tomorrow's going to bring and the next hour is. I think bring. time pressure or time anxiety has been a tremendous. Uh, it's a new thing for the human brain. That's awesome. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's why I think people like Joe Rogan's podcast. Because he's not sitting there looking at any kind of broadcast clock. He's just talking to a dude or a woman, and they're just having a conversation. And like, there, if it goes two hours ago, like people all the time sit here and go. And I've tried to order the podcast a little bit, but like, my plans all kind of went out the window for this because it's just like we're having a conversation, and you know, it's like two hours in. And if I were a responsible broadcaster, these would be an hour or. 90 minutes at most and I've, i just go people people really like just hearing conversation that isn't beholden to time because they're so fucking tired of time anxiety if you really were, were worried about time you'd try to get us on a on an am or fm station oh to for make sure. us to that would force us to i be would sell time. advertisements i would be so much more professional than i am <laughs> i know how to do it i've worked oh, yeah, in, yeah. i've worked in radio for a decade of my 15 year career like i know how to run a radio show but like this is fun for me. I mean, I'm more productive in chaos. Like, right. Like he he'll be fucking like sleeping and he'll wake up. I have like thirty tickets done, dude. Like when it's chaos and I'm kind of just doing my own I'm thing, not, I'm more productive. If I don't go to bed Sunday night with my sheets washed, my fa- lo- yeah. laundry folded, put it away, my dishes done, like I, I go Ooh. crazy through the week. This gets me what I want. I don't want emails. Mm-hmm. I don't want phone calls. I just want everything to work. Right. I want to go downtown. Nice works for Harry now, by the way. Drink my coffee, sit in my ivory tower, right, and everything be smooth. Yeah, that's all I want. <laughs> While I'm sitting there, like I walk around, I'm like, "Yo, what's up? What's up? Hey, it's your boy Nice. Two in the morning. What's up? You want some stuff? Got your stuff." But um, it's it's like that, like the chaos of it, right? And like just being able to. Yeah, it sucks if I had to come in like nine and five because I like to do things on like spurts where like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a normal day, but then I'll do a burst at the end of the day where everything right. gets sh- shut down. They were done. Like I like these bursts where I'm able to do that because for me, I judge my metrics and my goals and my, my ability to perform on basically just overwhelming firepower. So like, <laughs> I come in with like, you know, it might be like a couple trickle shots, but eventually the nuke is coming in and I'll right. bring the nuke. And he, he see, he's in the, he, one day we, mm-hmm. we did a migration and like everybody's like, holy shit, Nice came in and like changed everything overnight and he didn't know, he didn't know how to handle because like I work like that. You know, I'm like, well, we told him, you know, two weeks we're going to do this, but we so did So irresponsible it. not to communicate with your team oh, members. we did. I did. Yeah, okay. we did. It's just like they, they forgot. They forgot and they, <laughs> they require a little bit more hand-holding. Uh-huh. We need to walk them into the light and then push them off the cliff. See, that's where, like, I need people like Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm so people-focused mm-hmm. that I don't think about 
like I think about I think about people's feelings and I think a bit about people's like their productivity. Like I'm very outwardly focused with people where it's like I need somebody like Nies who doesn't give up. Like I just need you to build the infrastructure and not care about like here's how it's going to work. Like why do you think yeah. I want them? Yeah, exactly. Harry's right. Harry's worried about. He's like you know he's like well they're going to be mad at us, dude. I'm like I don't care. Fucking hate me, dog. I'm gonna go. <laughs> right. I want to go get some hot dogs. What's up? <laughs> right. Yeah. What's up? Right. So like he gets me what I want. So like because he gets it. I know I don't have to worry about it and double check it that much on the technical end, and I could just go over and like people please and yeah. smooth things over and yeah. talk about it. Blah 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 and make everybody happy. Right. You know. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah, and people are like what those how, memes are not safe for work, niece. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I gotta censor him sometimes. How I much how much of like the early shit posting and the raids and like how much of that mentality adds into you just not th- like are you, is your brain just hardwired not to think about not that you maybe not think you don't think about how other people are gonna react, but it's like you don't have this you've just lost the ability to care. Well, it's been trained out of you. It's not, it's not the ability to care. It's just a lot of people want to be people focused, right? But like, if everybody's people focused all the time, you, you don't get stuff done in a timely manner. Right. It's like, there's things that have to be done. Like, even if it's not work, it's just a normal social situation. There has to be someone that's willing to essentially, but just fall on the sword here. Right. For example, like, let's just go. Fuck. I don't care if like something bad happens. I don't care if I get yelled at. I don't care if I get in trouble. Um, it just needs to go. Yeah. There, there has to be at least a couple of these people in each, you know, either group of friends, a, a workplace environment, a community situation. There always has to be those people because if you just leave everybody to be like, you know, the B type personality where it's like, yeah, no, it's going to be a friend. You know, we'll, we'll talk things out. We'll get things working together. It's things great. You're feeling great. I'm feeling great. Right. You know, cause he'll ask me, he asked me a question, like, how do you like it? And I couldn't answer that question, you know, cause he wants an emotional response. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just fucking destroying shit, dude. You know, right. it's like, I'm just wrecking stuff right now. Um, <laughs> but these people are important because they met A types mesh with B types. B types need an A type and A types need B types or A types to kind of just lose focus and just kind of overdrive things to a point. I feel like you're yeah. both. Type A. What? He's not Type A. I'm not Type A. No. Really? No, he's out of five, dude. I think he's like, he's like, I'm going home. Going home. Leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he likes to, he like, he, even like, he, he'll do meetings. It's like, it's not like, you know, it's pretty Type B. It's kind of like, just let them do their own stuff. I think he's only Type A when it's like, uh, I'm going to give them this shit right here. And it's like, no, 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 do that. Don't give them that shit. I'm like, oh. I'm like yeah, let's go, you know. I don't but, want to be yelled at. That's what I'm type A. Okay. Yep. That could get me yelled at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, I'll go uh, it, it, it's that, that nice blending. It's another reason why, uh, you'll watch the most successful, uh, San Francisco scar- startup in that, like, softy SJW, like, San Francisco culture. A lot of them, those companies really don't get su- successful and start really making a lot of money until they leave that and go to somewhere like an Indiana and pick up someone like a niece, something like that. That's, and you really start like really kicking ass. Right. You know, they, uh, a lot of those people will hate that person, but understand that it's an, uh, it's a necessary evil that you need to introduce to get it the way you need it. We've got yeah. a factory like that where everyone dislikes this manager that runs this place, but he's such a necessary evil. Right. That, Without him, this would be uh, this. Nothing would work. That's sort of how mittens is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Remember when I told our eighty percent male audience that porn's bad? Yeah, yeah. 
Rem- imagine how much I don't give a fuck. Well, anymore. let me tell you this. The, the only porn I've ever seen that's bad is when I'm just, you know, when I was on Hentai Haven, God bless it, see you in heaven, uh, <laughs> is when like I see that tag, ugly bastard, right? <laughs> Holy shit. Like, way to ruin that, dude. What? Ugly oh. bastard. What's that? Ugly bastard is a category in hentai where they have like a really attractive woman as like the the focal point, but the Japanese creators want the woman to be a focal point. So when they're like they're fucked up mind, they make the, <laughs> they'll make the woman the focal point. We'll make the male character this disgusting, fat, Ugh. ugly, like snorting, mm-hmm. like spitting, snorting, slobbering dude, and he just pounds the shit out of the wall. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, it's like that's kind of kind of what the media. So let's circle back and start wrapping this up. Here. So, like that's sort of what the media is doing to the 4chan culture the meme culture the, like everything's all right everything like the idea that we talked about last episode where joe rogan and all these youtube accounts are all connected and all mm-hmm. alt right it like to me the idea that a person goes and kills 50 people because he looked at too many memes is ridiculous yes. like it's such a confluence of so many different events starting with bad brain chemistry you know, and starting with a, a lack of access to mental health care and mm-hmm. a lack of a culture that allows this man to go get health care and, and and feels comfortable with it, where like I think that's like if we're going to change it, it really has to start there. It really has to start with you can't ban like they go on in this in the uh, daily episode to talk about. Did I close it out? They basically go on to talk about how it's the algorithm's fault. How you start watching a, a, a Ben, you know, Kara Swisher from Recode Media, who's the the gatekeeper of censorship now. Um, this tech journalist who's talking to Susan Wojciak of of Google, who runs YouTube. You know, my thirteen year old son was watching a Ben Shapiro video. That's just a gateway to white supremacy. Oh, you mean the Orthodox Jew with the yarmulke on his head is mm-hmm. a gateway to to Hitler? The number one, the literally the number one troll for the uh, the target for the alt right in 2016, Ben Shapiro. That guy is yep. a gateway to the alt right. It literally has become a, a a way to link any political opponent to people who do bad things in tangential connections. And so they they just say, well, it's YouTube's fault because you start watching a Paul Joseph Watson video or he's like, you start watching a history video and then you end up at Alex Jones and then you're shooting up a mosque. It's like it's so it's so like I think any adult that looks at that and thinks that I just can't believe that there are adults so daft that they think that a person watching a YouTube video will be spurred on to go and like the amount of things that are wrong with this person's brain. Mm-hmm. It's not the gun. It's not the YouTube. He would be radicalized by Islam. He would be radicalized by, you know, Christian fundamentalism. He'd be radicalized by anything that gave him meaning because he's a fucked up individual. Correct. You know, it's just insane yeah. to me. Yeah. He, so short, short he could side. put a clown costume on and just chop people up in his basement. Right. Okay. The, you, what, you know, what internet did, you know, all these other people start like, you know, like if you watch Investigation Discovery and Evil Lives Here, which, which internet troll does some of these people from the 80s get from? Okay. Right. Uh, the thing is like, and then you, but that narrative that these, this rabbit hole is getting pushed. Vice just did a whole video on ContraPoints. I mm-hmm. love Natalie Wynn's videos of ContraPoints. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing Get it, jump into some of these videos, get the mouthfeel, and you, and they try to pivot, and this is like, well, 
saying that Natalie puts these videos up there to so if they watch a bench video on a topic, they'll find these other arguments from the counterparts to try to drag them from the right to the middle. And Natalie even said that in the video. But to me, when you watch a contrapoints video, it's just more of a little bit more. It's someone from a different perspective talking about the same different type of subject and mostly she did a great job of one taking apart the left and taking apart the alt right, which is technically the real left, but Mr. Willing argument, like the whole degeneracy of the left that the people talk about that the alt right hates, you know, like right. hate gays, stuff like that. You mean, and how that's not part of Western culture or wrong. You know, obviously you, you make, you start Western culture, uh, Western culture at the 1800s in the Victorian era. Right. You didn't go back any further of quote unquote Western culture when, you know, like, you know, dressing in women's clothing and doing all this other gay stuff didn't start. Right. It's a lot of people trying to solve problems that aren't their business with terms they don't understand that they're mm-hmm. manipulating the language. Language to it's just basic propaganda like let's just manipulate the language Correct. until it means what we want it to mean mm-hmm. repeated over and over and over and over you know you you just listen like i was listening to um the abc news podcast which is was pretty fair like a lot of this stuff has been fair but like the narrative is not his mental health the narrative is not like what were his real motivations the narrative is not let's try and understand 4chan and the way that we did tonight the narrative is white supremacy is spreading and donald trump is to blame and so you you go the, the in the in the podcast the abc news podcast the guardians of truth they say you know white supremacy acts of violence are up they never give you a fact to ver- validate that that is true they just say it right and and then you hear that 150 times if you watch the cnn or the news about this thing mm-hmm. like you know and youtube is responding in kind like if you search any kind of news topic it's literally just all the major media outlets now it's none of the uh, it's it's not unless you have subscribed to certain channels you, you're not going to get a paul joseph watson you're you're not going to get you know a tim pool you're going to get cnn bbc mm-hmm. you know like yeah the white so, supremacist right temple you know and the the real and i wish i had said this earlier in the episode so thousands more could hear it the idea that people giving alternative information on youtube leads this person to kill 50 muslims Let's say that let's say he's directly influenced by Candace Owen. Everything he wrote in that is not a joke. He believes all that. He is telling the truth. He was influenced to kill people because he watched too much Alex Jones. Mm -hmm. Let's say that's the truth. That's one person. The news on a daily basis perpetuates a system that kills Muslims systematically with drones and has perpetuated a 20 year war against innocent Muslim citizens around the world. And some non-innocent, you know, non-innocent, yeah, but, yeah. you know, but yeah. ISIS and, and Al-Qaeda, right? Mm-hmm. The insanity of thinking that one, one, one avenue that produces violence mm-hmm. is perverse and wrong, while the other avenue that uses violence is acceptable is insane to me. Well, it's so you, illogical. You mean new, old media targeting new media? Old media targeting new media is them trying to get rid of their competition at, by by trying to tie people like Joe Rogan or or, or any of these ta- tr- like this shooter killed fifty Muslims because of the information that they're getting from this YouTube video. Mm-hmm. 
was okay the- well george bush <laughs> got his information from the washington post which perpetuates a system that drones and kills innocent children in in, in the middle east barack obama perpetuates that well, it's acceptable to support barack obama but not alex jones that's what they did for uh I think this goes back to like the nineties and probably before. Like you remember when like Columbine happened and just because those fucking neats had a bunch of Doom games on their computer and they had like <laughs> oh, a, yeah. you know, they were playing Doom and Wolfenstein mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which was like a popular FPS back in the nineties, which almost every kid had that. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Oh, like, you know, we were looking to them. They had this Doom stuff and they basically got the shotgun off Doom, which is, is, is a fucking Mossberg. Everybody's got those, dude. Your dad's right. got those, you know, mm-hmm. so it makes no sense. But the media tried to paint that. As, you know, uh, these video games and this internet culture causes these kids to shoot up the school, ignoring the fact that this is during the same administration that they went to Ruby Ridge and the guy's like, hey, I'm not doing anything. Bang, bang, bang. And, you know, killed everybody in that house. Right. The or Waco. The, Waco, yeah. where 48 innocent, how many? Bombed, bombed right. Kosovo, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. For no yeah. reason, like bomb Kosovo for no reason because like there's a bunch of people in the Balkans having an argument like Kosovo is Serbia. No way, it's not. But then we had, you know, good thing we had Hillary Clinton there to dodge sniper around. Like the shit. idea that Alex Jones is evil because he denied that Sandy Hook happened for a couple of years and then that caused some insane people to harass parents. None of that's okay. You would have got but harassed some, anyway. But some of somehow that makes him a a. a a bigger danger to society than Barack Obama's drone program because that's an like, easy it's an easy tar- it's right. an easy target if I pick like some media personality or I pick someone on the internet or some intangible it's easier for me to demonize an intangible object than to demonize something that has a little bit of power that can right. fight back yeah exactly right and it, it's Everybody's going to legitimize, like, well, you know, it's like, oh, it's Terry. He shot up like 36, 37, 50 Muslims in the mosque. It's like the U.S. military does that in like a weekend, dude, for yeah. like fun. For fun, dude. And it's right. like, you know, they're out there. I mean, watch some of the videos that came out of Iraq. They were literally blasting in villages, making jokes about it. it killing yeah. killing people is okay as long as you're doing it in the name of government. But no, but here's, here's the thing is like, it's almost more when I look at things that kill like Muslims, like the U.S. government and the guy shot this guy. The guy with the mosque at least has a legitimate reason to do it. He, you know, Mental illness, yeah, yeah, or something like that. At least he, has, at least he says he's legitimate. He doesn't like Muslims. What is Lindsey Graham's excuse? But you know, when I look at the military being there and I see like the videos from Iraq, you remember when like they threw the puppy off this cliff and they shot like the villagers and like it made like the, the 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 fat Muslim kid like run after a tank and they tried to hit him with mines and the, the guy with the shotgun that shot through the window. At least the guy that shot and killed the Muslims in there had a reason you know even if it's a bad reason had a reason to do it the people that are in the military doing that right the, the politicians and stuff there's no reason at all yeah it's just a nihilistic I don't care you know right. at least it makes more sense and it's at least more acceptable to have a reason to do it than just to be like, well, it's just day to day operations. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a budget line. You know, it's, it's more dehumanizing to be a, a budget line than for somebody just to be like, well, it's just two factions going to war because of how they believe what they are. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, they'll, they'll excuse, they won't excuse that because it's hard to excuse. You can't excuse something like, they can't pin it on the government because the government really doesn't care. It doesn't right. care what the outcome is. And people like the white supremacists or people like Alex Jones or people anywhere down this list of like, you know, volatile people on the internet, they care. They, they care when you scream at them. They care, you know? Right. But you can't make something that doesn't care, care. Um, All right. Well, give us your final thoughts, James Neese. Uh, I, I think 
what happens here is like like I said when he made the manifesto he specifically it's just funny because the media is going to roll with it because I think the media doesn't understand how to like engage it when he says like right there in like line number like 17 the reason I use guns even though I have bombs even though I have a big ass truck I could just run through there and kill them you know anytime I want to I can stab them because they're unarmed they're not going to fight back I could have done multiple reasons the reason I use guns is because it's immediately going to go on U.S. air channels. They're going to bring up Donald Trump. They're going to bring up guns, and it's going to be played on a 24-7 news cycle. Lo and behold, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're so predictable that mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. an insane madman has has figured out their their shtick. Because it's yeah. it's rate. They want the ratings from it, right? Okay? And they know it's going to get the ratings. The, their, their corporate masters want that. Their corporate masters, politicians that they pay for, want that. They, the, the Democrats or the Republicans are pro gun control. They want they want this to be another excuse so they can push it. But the madman's like, no, like I know if I keep pushing it, they eventually do something about it, and they do something about it. It's going to piss off people even more, and there'll be more of the instances in the future. The reason he did that was because it's going to set off a fuse where this is going to happen more and more because the media is going to do exactly what he said he was aiming to do because the media doesn't know better. Right. Like this happened in New Zealand, but this is like hot topic 24 seven cycle news here on the U S that they're applying to us politics. Like, you know, you have AOC opening her like claptrap about it. You know, it's like, right. this has nothing to do with you. This is New Zealand. Mm-hmm. This happens everywhere else in the world that like, we just don't report about. The only thing we're reporting about it is because he threw out a manifesto and started naming us politicians on the manifesto. Yeah. So now it's like, well, we don't want another shooting like that. It's like he dude said in the manifesto he could he could have had a knife like when you walked in and he started killing people did you not see how all those people cowered in a corner you can just run up and stab him right and that and that's the argument the third you're turning that's the insanity of the gun control argument you're turning over your safety to the police who took thirty six thirty six minutes to get there uh, and they have no constitutional uh, duty to show up if you call nine one one. One guy with a gun in that mosque, it's like the McDonald's in Alabama in December. Guy walked in ready to kill a bunch of people in a McDonald's in the evening. One guy pulled out a gun and shot him. One person died instead of the, the, I just, 15. I don't think they watched the video because he went in, mag-dumped four mags. It was mag-dumped. <laughs> you know, yeah. ran out of bullets. Went back to his car, opened up his trunk, chilled for a minute, talked to Facebook Live for a minute. Opened up his trunk, grabbed a shotgun, came back in, started double tapping people. It's like he had I, enough time. I, I did not. I, I accidentally watched the video because some asshole posted it. I don't want to put that in my soul. I just don't want. To, I don't want to see it. But it's important. That, I think it's important that people see it because what this shows is like you can you can, you can view the mind state of what's happening. You can view the deficiencies of what happened in society. You can view the the problems that occur in society through that video. So like you can you, view your own vulnerability if you're not armed and the ability. Yeah. yeah, you can view multiple things that occur here. I mean, you can involve like you know people like well you know good guy even like the good guy can stop a bad guy like that didn't occur there was a guy that tried to tackle him you know what happened to the guy that tackled him? he was mowed down yeah five shots in the face right i mean that happens they always get the goal oh good will always win i was like no no it doesn't yeah. loses quite often harry final thoughts oh man it's uh gruesome to think about and that, that is uh please follow that yes <laughs> yeah thank you thank you appreciate it the one thing i will add to that is the one thing you can also put in your arsenal for these different types of stuff like that does happen is 
you'll probably get more use out of learning um, first aid, CPR, and trauma supply, and your trauma supply, and your trauma supply kit than you will ever get out of your gun. Majority of the people will open up their first aid kit before they will ever have to open fire to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that thirty-six movement minute, um, if that if the assailant was you know left or like was fleeing the area, if it still takes thirty-six minutes, you're going to bleed out. Even if you got two yeah. shots in, you're going to bleed out. So, majority if more people are also trained in tr- trauma and having those kids possibly, you know, some people could have been still alive because they could have just got the emergency first aid and quick clot long enough to keep the, you know, get the goo instilled inside of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that was always like sparked to me, uh, maybe because I just watched way too much anime is mm-hmm. like the, I think at this point, I think we've hit the point where, a lot of these mass shooters, which do happen more frequently outside the United States than we, you know, than American audience want to give credit for. This happens in Canada. This happens in other places, not yeah. just the United States. Is that, uh, you know, it kind of feels almost like the, like almost, like it's get almost to the verge of its copycatting yeah. and building on each other. It, it is really is building on that and it almost makes me reminisce about the, uh, Cop, uh, the copycats from the Laughing Man incident in Ghost in the Shell. I don't know if you ever remember, remember the Ghost in the Shell, what is it, like first or second gig? When the Laughing Man incident, where all these people kept t- becoming Laughing Man, doing different things as the Laughing Man, as becoming copycats of the Laughing Man. Um, I'm sorry, I'm blowing on my cat to annoy her to get her to go away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm distracting here. The, uh, and it's... And with the manifesto, James is also correct there. They're doing everything they want, and they're blaming everything around from it. Yeah, and it's, it's all circular. It's yeah. not. Go, it's not getting to the problem. Yeah, and which is so multi-layered that you can't. You, you the mental health aspect, mm-hmm. the aspect of just being one of these neats or mm-hmm. an incel type guy who feels alienated from society, like the the radicalization from the content that he's watching. Like there's. 10, 15 different things, a chemical imbalance that we may not understand because we haven't done an autopsy yet. Like the amount of nuance and context and unexplainable that goes into an evil act like this doesn't, mm-hmm. the news can't, the system is not set up to handle it. Right. And so they jump to the most convenient, easiest thing. Yeah. I'll tell you some like really crazy stuff. So like on the, on the boards, like when he shot up the church, like the most savage comment I've ever seen on that thread was like, hmm. Would like him more, but he shot up the wrong church, basically implying he should have went to the synagogue to do it. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that seems uh, that's not Ooh, savage. But, called, all right, maybe yeah. the New York. That, Times. that was kind of fucking. Sad. I'm like, holy shit! That's like, you know, I read that comment, and I was like, maybe New York Times has a point. <clears throat> so, if you think about it, even like you want to blame it on white supremacists, but even white supremacists are throwing shade on this dude for not right. doing what they want him to no, do. No, we had to, we had to start blocking people from our Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook because stone messaged me, our social media manager and goes, am I allowed to delete the people who comment that they support the shooter? And I said, absolutely block those people, get rid of them. I don't want them anywhere. I don't want to associate with them in any way, shape or form, mm-hmm. you know, like, don't even ask me that question next time. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, I, I don't. That's one thing I also like is that the, a lot of the news organizations are getting on the bandwagon of not saying the guy's name, yeah. not showing his face. Uh, you know, it's it's nice. Mm-hmm. I like right. it. But I'm done. Yeah, if, it, if it was like last two years on this show, we we we, we had a co-host that would be all about that. 
Yes, God works in mysterious ways and protects us in the ways that we don't often see. Certain, a certain guy from New York that used to hang around. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so I think my final thought is think about the systems in which you're involved and and behaviors in which you're involved. Like, Just think about like just like the media. Uh, I haven't really been consuming a lot of media or social media the last two or three months. Mm-hmm. I've been so much more peaceful. And so much less anxious and so much less angry um, because I'm not involved in a system that inherently is designed to inflame. Like CNN is meant to inflame you because they want your ratings. Like they can't help it. Oliver Darcy can't help but piss me off. Like he has to, to earn his paycheck. Yes. Um, so, you know, and it doesn't help that he killed me in a, in a fictional work. <laughs> um <laughs> I should tweet at him. He's probably blocked me by now. Um, but it, it, just like a system like that or the system of, you know, how you fill your needs on a daily basis. Uh, just think about like one of the reasons that I don't want to drink or, or lose my sobriety and be just be sober. Cause like, I do go a little crazy because I think about everything, but that's part of what makes this show good is that I'm constantly thinking about everything, you know, and, and I'm constantly thinking through the human experience and talking to people and it, it causes me to question everything and question like, why are we doing things this way? Like it, it just makes you, you really have to question everything in your life open it up for examination and what is working? What, why are you feeling alienated? If you're feeling alienated, why are you feeling lethargic? Are you depressed? Is it a chemical issue? Are you not working out? Are you like, you just have to think through all these things. Uh, so challenge everything, including yourself first and foremost. Uh, and with that, we say thank you for joining us here on we are libertarians. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, we appreciate your attention. We appreciate you listening uh, we, meaning me, are always surprised that anyone is listening, especially at the amount of people that listen, and uh, always appreciate when people write in and uh, share something that they've learned or that they've grown from this show. Uh, you know, because I think we do something a little different, and I, I'm it's more sociology than politics, uh, oftentimes because we're trying to figure out how to live in a free world, and if we don't start getting it right by loving each other and loving ourselves even, uh, and building our own lives in this time, in this moment that when things do collapse, we will be ready to, people will see an example of self-sufficient people. If everything collapses today, do you think that we're going to just build a libertarian utopia? No, you have to set the example. And so we, we need to start now. And so that's a lot of what this show's about. All right, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week.